here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Crate, alongside, as always, the leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia. It's Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? As everyone can see, well, not everyone, as always. Our- my yips are gone. I was I was really scared there. Remember how last week we talked about the yips? Yeah, you got through it. I did, so I'm good. I think I'm good. Good job out of you. I practiced for hours on end. I didn't sleep, but I got it. I'm good. You did do an extra long pause before you started the show, so I, I feel like you thought your way through it. But hey, whatever. <laughs> gets you I through. thought I was just like, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. You know what to say, you know what to say. So yeah, next time, uh, now I'm now I'm a little confident so that next week it could go off the rails again. So we'll see. Like that's you know I double clutched on the throw. Like I got the guy out at first, but I had to you know the the ball was in the glove a little bit longer than it needed to be. You know, speedy runner is going to get to first, and 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 you know the, you can't you can't take too long on the throw or else. And at some point, that's going to affect that part of it. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a learning. I'm learning, Joe. I'm getting better about it. So I've identified you know, it, and I'm practicing, and I'm trying to get through it. So It was Mets catcher Mackie Sasser that had the big problem with that uh, many years ago, where he could not throw the ball back to the pitcher. Was it Mackie Sasser? Or well, was I know it, uh, recently uh, Giovanni Soto. I don't know. Again, like we always do this, and like yeah. I feel bad for Isle of Man. Well, no, Isle of Man guy's into baseball now, so he's good. So I don't have to worry about him anymore. Isle of Man guy is a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Yeah, why did he pick the Blue Jays? Didn't he ask for people to like give him? Because it's a new thing, right? The the baseball fandom. That I don't know, but he did bet me a cool ten dollars USD that Toronto oh. would make the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> and I will be collecting. I was going to um, say, oh. you know, I, he may as well pay me now. He's all, yeah, he should just kind of do that now. Yeah. Just cause get it over with now and maybe get I another bet in there. If you can't try to make your money back by the end I, of the year, I don't think it was Mackie Sasser. And I the more I think about it. I think it was Charlie O'Brien. But, okay. Uh, well, Giovanni Soto recently did had that same issue. So he was, you know, obviously he came up for the Cubs and I think it was in the Rangers for a little bit. And then the white Sox. And, and he, what he would do then is, is instead of like, Normally, you're, you know, catchers in the squat and they just throw it back. He would like get down on his knees, put his hand on the ground and almost lay down and then throw. It was this weird thing. And it was like, what are you that the thing that's going to allow you to throw it back to first or or, or back to the catcher, I should say, or or to the pitcher? It was just so weird. I'm like, how how do you learn? Okay, what I'm going to do to make the gifts go away is I'm going to, I'm going to fall like, because he would almost like fall on his face, like wipe his hand on the dirt and then grab the ball and do it from like a, like a weird sort of knee position or whatever versus the squat. It's so weird. It's like, what the hell? 
it's 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 so strange. Baseball's in a very weird sport. Podcasting apparently also you, very strange too. Are you kneeling? Are you kneeling down right now to prevent? No. Uh, saying the wrong thing? <laughs> nope. I'm standing. I will, I will. I will say though, before you give yourself too many back pats, uh, our our dutiful subscribers know that you fucked up the intro, uh, Mister Rich, because I did put an Easter egg in today's uh, Lanza TV reviews, which are. Oh. Uh, $5 level subscribers can listen to right now where I reviewed 205 Live and NXT uh, from this week uh, for the plug there. But I did put an Easter egg in there um, to see if Captain Creech was going to give it a listen. No. And you didn't because I insisted that you introduced me this week as part of my uh, long litany of introductions. I added a new one, Rich. We're up to 12. Oh, it's a Joe Lanza is henceforth known as a savvy negotiator. Okay, was so, this with, was this with your garage? Uh, this I listened yeah. to half of your gecko shit uh, rants, so I, I did listen to some of it. I listened to because I was wondering what was shitting on the side of your house or the side of your garage or whatever, and it got me for a little bit. I was like, I kind of paused and I was like, is it like rabbits? Is it the kids? I was like, there was a sleeper here, and it was like geckos. I did not expect geckos to come out of there, so that was a nice. I little, don't uh, give it all away for these cheapskates who don't pay. <laughs> They don't, okay. know, they don't know all about the garage. The gecko shit. We, you said it in the description. You said gecko shit in That's the description. True. So I want you to be careful, though. You know, we don't want to give it all away to these cheapskates. But yes, if you want to hear all about my garage and the gecko shit, you know, you got to pony up the cash. You know what I mean? Just like if you want to watch me, it's the same as watching me get married. You want to watch me get married or you want to hear about gecko shit, you got to pony up the cash. But yeah, so I threw that in there. And uh, obviously you didn't hear it because you did not introduce me as a savvy negotiator, which I am, by the way. Now, if you want to find out why I'm a savvy negotiator, again, subscribe. Voices of Wrestling, was it slash Patreon or some gimmick no, like that? Yeah. I mean, I could just make that because I think you say that every time. I probably should just make yeah. that anyway. I'm going to make that by the time uh, people listen to this. It's actually Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. But there you go. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I'll make it VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon too. And that will also go there. because Five bucks a month, which is basically free. Let's be honest. And you can listen to me talk about gecko shit and find out what the hell is going on in my garage in addition to the TV reviews. Uh, and for just $2 a month, Rich, did you know that for just $2 a month, they can listen to the overrun? Wow. Did you know that? What a steal. What a goddamn steal. And, and there's that lens, too, the little Patreon, the Lanza lens. The Lanza yeah, lens. What's going on this weekend? Crate lens. Who gets that? Everybody? Every, uh, we had usually done the $5 ones, but let's make it special this weekend. $2 ones. We'll get do, okay, so the Crate lens will be for everyone. So get in for two bucks. You're going to like a million indie shows. We'll yeah, I'm going to like a million indie shows. I got a 10-minute interview with Cody R uh, coming up, a, a one-on-one interview with Cody R uh, that should be... That's, uh, you know, you're bar- we're burying the lead here. <laughs> this has been a running feud for years between Cody R and Voices of Wrestling. We know he's listening right now. Absolutely. Hi, and, Cody. And you are getting, via these press credentials to All In, okay, you are getting 10 minutes of one-on-one time with with Cody R. Do you have your questions prepared? Uh, a little bit. I got some ideas. I, I got some. Uh, I'll, I'll run some by you as well, and, and we'll see yes. what's up. But no, that's uh, it's gonna be fascinating. I don't know because I, I don't know. Is it gonna? Is it the feud ender? Is it gonna be like the handshake? Are we gonna do like a Mega Powers handshake, or well, is it just a feud intensifier? If I'm not what there, if, probably, if I'm not there, it'll be the feud ender. If I'm there, then yeah, it'll probably get real much much worse. What I right. just thought of a great idea. I should turn on you and align with oh. Cody. Oh wow! You're swivel the hips, little swivel the hips, chair shot right to your face. <laughs> that means I'm it aligned. Was me all along, Joe. <laughs> it's true. 
that means I'm aligned with the Golden Lovers, and I'm going to be teaming with Chase Owens on the next tour. Right, so exactly. I'm okay with that. You know, <laughs> but you got those big Samoans on your side, so or what? They're Samoans or Tongans? What are? I they? think they're Tongans. Tongans. Yeah, I think Tama yeah, Tonga is Tongans from Tonga. So. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Bad job. I, I need some abs though, because he really likes abs. So I will try to get. I, I don't have abs right now, and uh, don't really. Have, I don't think I've ever had abs, but I will. Uh, I'll Aren't try to they, acquire them quickly. They're Switzerland, though, right? Like you wouldn't be aligned with them. You'd be aligned with no. Cody. They're kind of. I'd be with like Cody and Hangman. Yeah. 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 Rich is the elite. Yeah. The Bucks. Yeah. You'd be working six Marty. man tags with the Bucks. Yeah, Marty. Yeah, Marty. Cool. The villain. Yeah. You'd be. The, you'd be the sass, right? That'd be your. You know, you're gonna I be like in, your team better. I kind of want to be on your side <laughs> before we get. Rich is gonna be in being the elite very shortly. Yeah, I, like hanging out with, I like hanging out with your team more, but that's all right. But and yeah, no, it's. It's kind of funny. I don't know if it's by complete accident, but essentially, you know, All In is doing the press conference on Sunday. I will be there. I, I asked to get some some credentials for that, and they basically followed up with me today and said, "Hey, are you gonna are you gonna show up?" And how many people? And I'm like, "Hey, it's just just me. I'm gonna be there." And they said, "Okay, you um you can get some time with one of the wrestlers after the press." I didn't know that that was gonna th- thing, and, and they're like, "Are you interested in that?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Um, and then I get the email back. Okay, you will be aligned with Cody <laughs> for ten minutes after, and I'm like, I'm wondering if if it's just complete accident. Like they just, I, I don't know, Joe. Do you think it, there was something there? Do you I think, think I was listed as should be with Cody afterwards. Like I, did, I, I, you know, is it just a, a complete coincidence that I didn't get Hangman, that I, I didn't get Brandy, that I got <laughs> Cody? Well, I mean, Stephen Amell. I, I, I think Stephen Amell. I, I got Cody. You didn't get Stephen Amell. No, um, I would have just gave it back if you got Stephen Amell. <laughs> I was um, gonna say like, ah, it's all right. You, you don't really have to. What would I talk to Stephen? Amell? What would I honestly? I've never watched Arrow. I don't want to watch Arrow. And who what really? The, I, don't wants, even know. I don't even know. If that's I, the worst one. Who really wants one buck? Like, what if you got like yeah. Nick Jackson? What are you going to ask him? <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it's an accident. Look, full disclosure: this whole thing is like C- Cody is. Let, let me just put it this way: Cody's quite the worker. Is that fair to say? Correct. Uh, you know, he, he he doesn't hold this animosity toward. I mean, you, you know. I'll that I that. know of. I'll find out on Sunday. Maybe it's like he's he's been kind of baiting now, us in and only kind of knife <laughs> now, now, now Rich is working. Now Rich is working. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Oh, you know, guy. Come on, the guys in our DMs twice a week. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. The, 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 the fact is, he's a worker. So I I think he sees the opportunity here, and this was clearly intent. There's no way this was an accident. This to know he's throwing us a bone here, Rich. That's what he's doing. Because he knows that we were we have a chance to talk about this for ten minutes right now, and you know we'll have a chance to talk about it after you interview him because we've had this thing going you know ever since he was shitting it up as Stardust, remember? So it's it's like it's it this is this is it's it's all it's all it's it's a work rich it's pro wrestling you know, you know, this, yeah. This is a man who was tweeting at us from backstage at Raw four years ago. It, it this this is this goes back a long way. So I, I don't think it's an accident. No, I, I'm no, they're not pulling the wool over these eyes, but you better hammer them. You can't let them off the hook because we've got a good angle for you to go at them with. You know, we had a little birdie drop in our ears and we got a little bit of information on the all in and, uh, you know, a potential big name that they have. Macaulay Culkin. Oh, I, I blew it. I'm sorry. Let's see that. Now, if you're going to do that, now, now, you, now, now we don't have that in our back pocket anymore. Damn it. The but Bunny of course, Ears podcast. That's what it is, right? The Bunny Ears. Of, I don't know. Of don't course, know. it's not the Home Alone geek, but we we we've got a potential scoop, and you need to blindside them with it, Rich. You need to make a name for yourself and for Voices of Wrestling at this. We need to be in every headline, whether it's the four one one, 
with Larry Zonko, whether it's the the the, the whatever Ryan Satin's deal is, what does he call that thing? Pro wrestling. The pro wrestling sheet. sheet. The pro wrestling sheet, Joe. We need to see in all of the headlines that Rich Creature Voice of Wrestling was removed from the press conference. <laughs> For pressing Raja. I've never been on Raja. I would love to be on Raja.com. That would be my uh, my, my crown, you know, my crowning achievement in Raja. Because as a as a little kid, like eleven year old on Raja, reading the rumors, if I could be on there once, it's it's over. Then you know, I've I've eleven. Wouldn't eleven year old you just love to know that you got a Raja headline? Thing? <laughs> Absolutely, I would. Yeah, I'd love to go back in time and be like, you know, you're reading the site right now to like find out, you know, Shane Douglas is debuting in in, in WWE. No, 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 <laughs> no. You're gonna be in this. You and Shane Douglas. We'll share a headline at some point, so that'll be Shane Douglas. They always yeah, used to, he, they, he was like when they were doing the higher power thing. Yeah, they like every site was like, I believe it's Shane Douglas. Like it's pretty. It was all like, or, or, or even then, like the uh, the higher power thing. Everybody thought it was Shane Douglas, which just would have been the shittiest thing in the fucking world. And then also the Jericho thing, even though it was very obvious it was Jericho to anybody. I've told that story yeah. where I was at the, the arena for that for Jericho's debut and, and some guy was like oh I've heard it's Shane Douglas and I'm like no nah, it's Chris Jericho he's like no you're a fucking idiot it's Shane Douglas because obviously he read Raja and all those and I'm like all right that's fine and you know obviously Jericho like what are you talking about I would be Shane yeah. Douglas <laughs> anytime Shane Douglas? Shane, anytime Shane Douglas was a free agent for 10 seconds he was assumed to be every part of every rumor right like the higher power imagine if Shane Douglas, like the hood came off and it's Shane Douglas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. You're fucking terrible. I mean, it was Vince. He kind of sucked then, but like the Shane Douglas? Are you kidding? Yeah, that uh, yeah. <laughs> it's me. Didn't make any sense. Their source was probably Shane Douglas, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to drum up interest in himself, you know, to to, to attempt to get signed. Trying to go part time at Target, so he didn't have to, you know. To, but, all right. Pretty pretty desperate in those days. He'd be, you know, burying Ric Flair in every shoot interview he did, hoping that someone would notice so he would get booked. Um. And only Vince Russo actually booked the angle. Remember? Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Vince Russo finally did it. Um, so anyway. But anyway, Crate Lens. Crate Lens this weekend. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. I'll be at uh, three shows this weekend, it looks like, and the press conference. So it'll be a busy, busy weekend for me. So I'll be on that. Uh, Joe, as you said, you have the TV reviews. I got a lot of other, lot of other good stuff there. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. All right, Joe, before we get into the meat of the show, things get going. Do you want to let people know about our friends at Dollar Shave Club? Rich, do you ever shower or brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, I have news for you. Dollar Shave Club. Is it good news, Joe? Is it good news or is it just news? It's the best news. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out, Rich Crage. Dollar Shave Club is more than just razors, and they deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Are you smelling your best right now, Rich? I'm not smelling my best. No, I've smelled better for sure. Well, I'm going to tell you how to smell your best. Please Are you do. ready? Yeah. yeah. You name it. They got shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that'll leave your tushy feeling tingly clean. We, of course, are huge fans of the One Wipe Charlies, but also the Amber and Lavender Calming Body Cleanser. Good luck finding a product that great at the store. All of our Dollar Shave Club products are made with top shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You will feel the difference. We promise because we use it. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. Here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essentials starter set. That set comes with the body cleanser, the one wipe Charlies, which are the amazing butt wipes, the world famous shave butter, and their best razor, the one that Joe Lanza uses 
the six blade executive. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. So Rich, I want you to take out your extensive pro wrestling notes. Tell me when you have them. Got it. Okay. Let me, uh, Oh, that was fast. Oh, hold on. No, I, no, I don't have them yet. Oh, we've got a soundboard now. This is fantastic. Got it. Yeah. That's actually fun fact. These are actually, uh, WWF, uh, trading cards that I got at a, uh, a bookstore in Los Angeles. They're, they got Hogan on the front. They have gum in them. I'm going to open them one of these days, probably for the, uh, the Patreon. Should open them on the show. Unbelievable. 1987. You want me to open them right now? Unopened pack? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bust them open. I got them open right now. All right. Absolutely. I'm not, I, I have tried the gum once before. I bought one of these packs before and I tried the gum. I'm not doing that again. That was really bad. That was... It turns right to dust. It does. Yeah, it was disgusting. Like, and, and it's like a weird dust where like you almost like need water immediately. It's a little... It's a little yeah. weird. All right. Let's um it's like when you inhale powdered sugar, like on a brownie. You just want to yeah. die. All right, here we go. All right. 1987. I don't know what they're uh WF wrestling featuring WrestleMania 3 on this pack here. Uh right. first card is the Dynamite Kid. Nice. What a Dynamite nice pull. Kid, How yeah. about that? What's it say on the back about it says Dynamite? Packaged power. That's the Dynamite Kid. He and David Boy Smith make up the British Bulldogs, former WF Tag Team Champions. Many people consider Smith one of the quickest men in the ring. He can strike from the mats or from the air with the power of a cannonball. I think they meant not Smith, but that's all right. <laughs> I don't think they meant Smith. I think they meant Dynamite Kid because it's Dynamite Kid's thing, and uh, they show they talked about David Smith a lot. All right, uh, wow, so you got a card. <laughs> I think it's has, an air. Yeah. It has Dynamite Kid on the front, and it describes David Boy Smith. Yes, on the back. so not not ideal, guys. Got, Come on, you got an error right off the bat. Uh, Billy Jack Hayes. Billy Jack Haynes. All right. I pulled a Billy I, Jack Haynes. I, I guarantee I bet he's wearing a lot of green and yellow, and it's going to talk about his um, his uh, full Nelson for sure. All right. Let's see. So he's wearing green. He's got a green hat, a green jacket, green tights, green like neck thing. I, what was that? It was like a kind of a neck. I don't know. Protector. I think you know what I mean? It one. It was like I think it was a headband he wore around his neck. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. You nailed it. Billy Jack Hayes, master of the full Nelson, is fearless. He is the kind of wrestler who will look opponents right in the eye and say, go ahead, brother, take a shot. Yeah. Billy Jack can take it and give it back harder. And once he clamps on his full Nelson, his adversary is finished. Oh, yeah. Billy Jack Hayes. Everyone remembers that star and a half match against Hercules at WrestleMania. (laughs) Who could forget? Full Nelsons? Yeah, of course. Uh, I got American made, which I believe is, is a Hulk Hogan one. It's ringside action. Uh, Hulk Hogan is an American made hero born and bred in the USA. Whenever he goes, his fans are sure to follow cheering him on to another victory. Is he dropping the, the leg on? Is he dropping no, the leg on the American flag? No, he's holding the American flag on an episode of superstars. So he's walking around the ring with the American flag. Here he is ripping his shirt. It's called the Hulkster explodes. It's a ringside action as well. Exploding yeah. with energy. WF world champion Hulk Hogan tears off his shirt and prepares for a match. The Hulkster gets fired up. For each and every bout. Yeah, he does. Aerial maneuvers. And the aerial maneuver, by the way, is Rick Martel doing a leapfrog. Is the aerial <laughs> maneuver on this? And people say wrestling doesn't evolve. <laughs> right. I gotta say. Aerial maneuver is <laughs> <his> <laughs> maneuvers and he's like barely it. up. I don't know who this guy is. This guy, I uh, can't tell. Oh, I cannot tell who this is that he's facing. Looks like maybe a jobber team. I'm not quite sure. The the jo- So he's doing the leapfrog, but he's like barely above the guy. And the guy is like bending over so that he can get above him. Yeah. 
just like Kushida and Ricochet or Kushida and Osprey this weekend. So uh, aerial maneuvers, the Can-Am connection takes to the air to shake up opponents. Ah, leapfrog. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Zink, who was so like uncoordinated. Oh, is like, that, yeah, that is Tom Zink? Yeah, that's right. Tom I Zink. I, I can't tell which one that is. I can't tell which because they kind of looked. It's a very bad picture, so you can't really tell which one it is. But I believe it. So it be. could be Martel. It could be Zink. I I'll think tell it's you. Martel, but I could be wrong. If he's not getting a lot of air, it might be Zink. Zink <laughs> yeah, it looks. Like, yeah, no, Martel's an athlete. This looks like this looks like it might be a Zink, but yeah. All right, I got Honky Talk Man and Jimmy Hart. And Honky Talk Man says, I think the fans are mad at me. It's got like comic, you know, bubbles here. I told sure. you when they boo you, they like you. Mm. Uh, Jimmy Malta South Hart, the Honky Talk Man is the man, baby. He's the greatest in the ring and with the guitar. You know, he's the only one that can sing better than me. That's a true fact, though. Jimmy Hart can sing. Backbreaker. Can you guess oh, who's in the so, Backbreaker card? Yeah, Hitoshi Komano, of course. <laughs> of course. Backbreaker. Her- oh, sorry. It's Hercules gains a submission oh. with his backbreaker. It is one of the most feared holds in the ring. Hercules has so much power that most of his opponents give up in seconds. Ringside mm. action. Um, this is another bubble. It says we are the original destroyers. Nothing stands in our way. It's in it's it's peak S and M demolition when they were wearing the really weird stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, action smash. The thing that we like most in life is to take other people apart. We are a two man wrecking crew. Hmm. And the last is it, card. Is it, uh, I'm sorry. This is uh, it, it, that that is uh. Oh, you said demolition. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, they're wearing masks. So yeah, I've got nothing good to add. You can yeah, carry that's, on. That's demolition. And then our final card in this list, uh, out to eat a turnbuckle. Obviously, George the Animal Steel. Yeah. It says out to eat a turnbuckle. This is a quick one. George the Animal Steel prepares to chew up a turnbuckle. <laughs> nothing clever. That's just it. we're gonna describe what is in the photo. Every other one had like this, these clever one-liners and this thing and that thing. That one was just simply George Animal Steel is going to eat a turnbuckle. So there's Those. your uh, 1980, 1987 Tops yes. WWF card breakdown. All right, so not my YoMTV raps cards. <laughs> I'm saving those no, for the old 90s. Those are for the old 90s podcast. Okay, all right, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And it's also a good plug to get people to listen to the old 90s podcast. Yeah, we haven't done an episode in a while, but all90spodcast.com. We're, we're coming back soon, I promise. All right, Joe, what was your point? You wanted me to ruffle papers. I don't have any papers near me, so that was my oh, yes, point. yes. So you have your notes out. We got, I got distracted. Here, I, got a, I got a notebook. There, okay. Rich, you know, last year we had noted that it was a down in-ring year for WWE main roster, particularly for um, match-of-the-year caliber matches, right? That was a big talking point that we had last right, year. Right, yeah. Our match-of-the-year countdown was, was, was noticeably lacking in, like, big-time WWE, WWE main roster proper stuff. NXT was yeah. pretty well represented throughout the, the, the list and in some of the top ten and whatnot. But main roster WWE, it was, it was bleak. I think Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles is probably our top. I think – I'm not looking at the list right now. I can, I can fire it up, but I believe that was the top one. Uh, there might have been a Cena Owens. Cena, AJ. Or Cena, AJ. Cena, AJ was the number one. And then, yeah. So, but, but, like, even those, like, there was no – they, they didn't dominate the list, and even when they were on the list, they weren't on there all that much. There was a lot of WWE matches, but a lot of them resided in the 100s, the 200s. You know, they were way back there. The top 50 was, was not littered with a lot of WWE main roster stuff, other than those, you know, two or three matches that I said, which we talked about again. Like, you know, two or three matches for any promotion is fine, but, like, when they put out the un- ungodly amount of hours per week of content to only have, you know, three matches in the top 50 or whatever w- w- was pretty nuts. Two pay-per-views a month, uh, you know, two five hours of content on you know the main roster a week. So yeah, tons of content. Um, Rich, I'm here to propose to you that as of May 10th, 
I would argue that this year they're having an even worse year when it comes to, um, you know, high caliber match of the year caliber ballots. Rich, what is the best WWE main roster match in your opinion in this calendar year? So far this year, um, it's hard. It's it's weird, but it might it might honestly be the Ronda Rousey tag at, at, at Mania. Like I really like that match. That was fine. And I can't kill you. Yeah, because... like you know that might be it. And and I don't really. I mean, I didn't like you know adore that match. It's not going to make my match of the year list, but that might be it. I mean, thinking off the top of my head, that's that won't, the favorite one I've had so far. Watching that won't sniff our top ten. God no, the end no. Of the year. Uh, you know the match of the year poll. Uh, you know, and that's my point. I mean, it's already May 10th. I mean, we're almost halfway through the year. And WWE main roster, we know that this roster's loaded. They have these great wrestlers. And, you know, the top-level output in this company continues to be dog shit. Rich, my highest-rated match, main roster proper, was January 1st. <laughs> Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns on Raw. I went four stars. Peaked early. The year peaked early for you. Yeah. And it's like I went four flat, Rich. That'll end up being like my 150th best match of the year, all told, or something like that. So, you know, I went to Twitter and I put it out there and I was like, am I forgetting something obvious? Well, here's some of the answers I got. You tell me if you think any of these matches are going to do a finish above 50 on 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 uh, on our poll at the end of the year. The Joe Roman Reigns match I just alluded to. Probably not, right? I, I don't think so. No, I, I think especially given that it happened January 1st, that's yeah. going to be lost in the ether. No one's going to remember that. Whatsoever. And a lot of people didn't even like it. I mean, I liked it and some other people liked it, but a lot of people didn't even like the match and thought it was average. Um, another one that came up a lot, Charlotte Asuka. And in fact, this has gotten the most match of the month traction on our site of any WWE main roster match all year, it's Charlotte Asuka. Do you see that doing particularly well? I didn't well? think it was even that good. So, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was fine. It was okay. But I maybe like low 50s, but I don't think it's in the top 50 when it's all said I, done. I don't, I don't think it's going to vote that strong. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if people are voting it strong for the match of the month, maybe there is a contingency that's out there. But I don't, I don't know. And I, I think that's one that's, I think, going to get lost to time a little bit, particularly given, you know, the trajectories of both after you know that match, you know, it's not like it was the defining match that now people are going to go back and look and go, okay, that really set off this, that really did this, you know, th- that can sort of help a match a little bit. If Oscar then, you know, Charlotte goes on this amazing run after that match, or Oscar wins and keeps her undefeated streak or whatever, but given how that finished and 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 what's happened since then, I I just think it's going to get lost of time when it's all said and done. Rich, it's a nice little three and a half star match. I mean, let's be honest. Um, next up, the Raw two hour gauntlet. Yeah, that was good, but I don't know. Is that one that's going to really stand the test of time? That one's going to be weird because people aren't going to know how to vote for it. Yeah. And and there might be something where people don't know, and then they just don't vote for it anyway. Well, there's been a couple of gauntlets. There was one on 205 Live as well, and I'm going to make it explicitly clear when it comes time for the ballots that a gauntlet match is one match because I believe that I mean, I, I believe that they're one match. I don't believe that they should be broken up into their segments. Um, so with that said... Um, I do think that that match will do better than the other two matches I mentioned. What do you think of another one that came up a lot on Twitter? Uh, Miz Rollins from the show we're about to review, Backlash. Is that the best WWE match? (laughs) If it is, then that's a bad year. I mean, it was a good match again, but like, yeah, that shouldn't be the head and shoulders. I mean, fine. It was okay. You know, I mean, like it was obviously the best thing on Backlash, but no, I mean, if that's your your pillar of your your in-ring year, then you had a really bad year. Is it a realistic match of the year contender? 
no, not at all. God, no, no, yeah. no way. I mean, I, I think I had a three and three quarters. Um, the Rousey tag came up a lot, which I no, think- I think that will make the top 50 because I think there's there was a, a sideshow attraction to that. It's one that I think is going to be notable because Rousey kind of delivered and, you know, Triple H and Stephanie, I think, worked their ass off in that match. So that's one that I could see. I don't know if it's going to be top 50 necessarily, but I could see that one making, you know, getting some traction on the list. It's not going to be in the top 10. It's not going to, you know, be on any of our lists or whatever, but it, I, I could see that one making. But again, that's more of, I think, an entertainment aspect than like pure, you know what I mean? Like if we're ranking pure in ring matches, that's one that that really grades better because of other stuff that happened, because of the side a, show, because of the moments, because, you know, yeah. it was one of those WrestleMania quote moments. We laugh about that all the time, but that's one of those matches. It was a, a moment match more than a match match. It was a spectacle and it was well done. I enjoyed it. Um, and then there was like a bunch of 205 live stuff. I don't know what you want to do with that. Um, that's kind of like the kids table main roster. I guess technically it is main roster, but even all that 205 live stuff, whether you're talking the, you know, Roderick Strong, uh, uh, tournament run, the Buddy Murphy tournament run, uh, the match this past week with Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali. There was a Mustafa Ali Jack Gallagher match in February that I really liked. None of those are really getting any kind of match of the year buzz. They're just kind of getting that was an awesome TV match kind of buzz. You think that's fair to say? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's always going to be what 205 Live is. And, and when, we're, when we're talking about this, like, again, even if even if that is the best match, I mean, if, if how pathetic is it that that you could realistically, right now, you're realistically saying that Buddy Murphy, Kalisto, you know, that was one of the ones that was really good, right? Buddy Murphy and Kalisto, that if that, you know, just a random 205 Live Buddy Murphy, Kalisto match could be your best match of the year in your company right now, and you wouldn't be that wrong. Like, if you said that, Joe, if you said, Rich, my best match is Buddy Murphy, Mustafa Ali from this past week, I wouldn't call you an idiot. You know what I mean? And, like, the idea that that's even plausible, that Buddy Murphy... And the random yeah. 205 Live is like with all, all the hours of TV, all the publicity, all the advertising power, all the this, all the that, that Buddy Murphy and Kalisto is your match of the year. And that's not that unrealistic that that would be true. It, it, the, the main, I, I would argue that when we're talking about high level matches, they're actually having a worse 2018 than 2017. By this point last year, we had a few legitimate match of the year contenders. The Royal Rumble had a couple, remember, I had the Kevin Owens match. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was some Brock stuff early in the year. The th- when was that three way? That was early. That was at the Royal Rumble, right? The Royal uh, Rumble. The Rumble. Yeah, you're talking about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, you know, it, there's nothing this year at that level. It's such a weird company because the roster's so loaded. The matches, well, until backlash, the matches usually aren't bad, uh, but they're just they kind of they have this ceiling at like three and a half stars. It's been a weird year where on paper stuff always looks good. Like we always do these previews and go, okay, well, okay. Oh, hey, that's a good match. Oh, that's, and then it just, it hasn't, no matter what, it just has not delivered this year. I mean, backlash was an okay card. (laughs) We'll talk about it here in a sec. There's been numerous cards this year that have been good cards all in all, but then when it's done, it's just like, okay, yeah, then nothing really stood out there. Nothing really. Whereas as 16 and 17, or, or 16 rather really did stand out where like there were those you know those Cena Owens matches and, and stuff like that really stood head and shoulders and and when you sat down and watched the WWE pay-per-view you knew you were getting something great there and then 2017 there was there was hit or miss there but there was still stuff you could still kind of sink your teeth into even though it was a you know a down year compared to what they had done you know in 15 and 16 but yeah you're right I mean this year it, it's time to start looking at because like you said we're half we're, you know we're getting cl- close to halfway through the year and nothing nothing has stood out there's not a single match that's going to sniff the top 10 so I'll far. Argue, I'll argue a show hasn't stood out either. What's been the best WWE pay-per-view this year, Joe? Oh, I, I review every one of them, and I yeah. can't give you a good <laughs> I mean, answer to that. Right, think about it. Um, but here's the thing, and, and, that's, and I stress main roster. 
NXT. Look, Gargano almost might win. Very well could. Yeah. Um, you know, the latter match is a, a definite top five contender. Mm-hmm. Um, Gargano Ciampa is going to do very well. Um, NXT's killing it like usual. There's never a problem with the NXT match quality, ever. Um, you know, you take with that with the last few years, last year and this year in particular, you take NXT away. WWE just tanks in these match of the year polls, not even just ours. Uh, whether it's the Observer poll, whatever other one you want to look at, which encompasses worldwide wrestling. If it wasn't for NXT, my God, I mean, the main roster just is not producing at that high level anymore. And, and with the talent that they have, it's utterly ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous that that's the case. I just thought that was interesting and something we should touch on because we're going to review Backlash and we're going to stay very negative. Uh, unless Rich is the only person on earth who liked this show. <laughs> uh, because Shockingly, I think- no, I am not. So you're in luck. Uh, d- did you want to preface this preview, with, this review with something before we go down this abysmal uh, show, or, or did you want to just get right into it and get it over with and move on to things? Yeah, that and fun that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with WWE, and, and we've done it. I mean, it's still fun for us to kind of come on here and rag on WWE and laugh at them and joke or whatever. But like, it reached a point Sunday where I and, and this isn't me defending them and anything like that. It's just reached a point where I was like, do I really want to waste my time even bothering arguing about these guys because there's so much other stuff on the show that I want to talk about this, 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 you know, tonight's podcast, we have Okada Tanahashi that I want to talk about. I want to talk about Kushida and Osprey. I want to talk about Taiji Shimura. I want to talk about Christian. There's so much other stuff going on. We're going to talk about Dragon Gate. It's got a lot of fun stuff going on. There's fun stuff going on in impact. I'm going to all these indie shows. And like the, the idea that I have to sit here and do this podcast, and just get bogged down, getting annoyed about WWE and their shitty booking and the shitty way they approach stuff. It's reached a point where I'm not saying we have to chikara them. Cause obviously we can never chikara WWE. We have to talk we cannot about do it. WWE. Yeah. We always have to talk about it, but I, I think it has become a point where we just have to chalk up that we are never going to understand what they do, that they aren't going to do stuff that makes any fucking sense. And that they, their products is fucking shit. You know what I mean? And like, and it, it's a point where like, we'll go through it. We'll talk about it. If stuff stands out, it does, but I breaking down booking decisions. What's the point anymore? They're, they're no obviously completely lost. They're, they're completely and utterly lost. And this show was among one of the most disconnected ones I've ever seen. And you talked about it. You said, you know, me as the only person in the world that liked the show. I mentioned that on Twitter as well, it, that we've, we've been doing this stuff for, for years now, five, six years that we've been doing this, this podcast, the, the, the website, all that sort of stuff. This is the first time I can really honestly think that universally I never saw a single person say, Backlash was all right. There was like one person sent me a tweet. That was like, well, this person enjoyed Backlash. And their tweet said, ah, Backlash was fine. You guys are being too hard on it, was all their tweet said. And that was like the most positive review I saw. Did you see the Observer poll this week on Backlash? It was dist- it might have been one of the worst Observer polls <laughs> I've seen. 253 thumbs down, zero thumbs in the middle, zero thumbs up. Yeah. And like even like SummerSlam 1995 would have one little asshole that was like thumbs in the middle. Diesel Mabel was all right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, or it had like it would have had Michaels and Razor Ramon or whatever. Like, it, it felt a very much like that show where it was like you had a really great match in, in the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels and at SummerSlam 95, but other, everything else was utter shit. And that's like one of the most universally lauded, you know, WWE pay per views of all time. This is that yeah. this is that way. I have never I have not seen a soul. I've seen even the most ardent WWE supporters, the loons that we Aaron mentions all the time. They were silent on this night. Yeah. You could hear a yeah. pin drop on Twitter when that show was over. Or even worse, outwardly bashing it because it was yeah. so bad. Um, you're absolutely right. This was universally loathed. I can't recall. Look, there were probably there's probably been TNA pay-per-views that got zero thumbs up or zero thumbs in the middle, but didn't have as many thumbs down. 
Uh, there's probably been dying day WCW shows that did that poorly as well. But like you say, there's always one or two guys that have to be that guy. You know what I mean? That give it the thumbs up. Um, this was a, a real, really incredible that everyone hated this. Um, and, and like you're saying, it's pointless to break down the booking at this point. We've been talking about that for about a year because they don't put any thought into it. Why should we? Right. And But if they were delivering great matches, I could live with it. I'll turn on a wrestling show and watch a bunch of great matches. I can get entertainment out of that. But as we just demonstrated, they're not even giving you that. You can't even count on them to give you one killer match per show. I'm not asking for three or four. Rich, I'm asking for one. And that you can't even count on them for that anymore. Um, so I guess let's just do this thing. Like you said, we don't want to spend a ton of time just burying these matches. I mean, everyone else has done it all week long. But it started off with Seth Rollins against The Miz, and it was all downhill from there. I like this match. Um, I don't know. I, I, I saw a couple people, you know, raving, you know, hardcore. And I, I look, I didn't, look, like I said earlier, I thought it was like a three and three quarter star match. Really good. You want to go four, four and a quarter? I think Meltzer went four and a quarter. I mean, that's fine, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was all downhill from there. Did you like the Rollins Miz match? I think you didn't. It sounded like you weren't in love with it either, based on bringing it up earlier. No, I didn't. No, I enjoyed it a lot, but it, it kind of got clouded by the rest of the show. But it was it was good. But like, the, the, I think it's being propped up more. If if this was an okay show, I don't know that everyone's bringing this match up again. It was very good, and it was an awesome start to the show. But people then now it, it had to go back to well, the rest of the show sucked, but that match was really. Good, you, you know, like so. I'm not saying that I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm saying it doesn't deserve praise because it, it was very good. I thought the Miz was great in it. I think Rollins, they got something Rollins, and like, I don't want to bash my head against the wall, but yeah, what Rollins are you doing, guy? Like Rollins is, is it, you got somebody in that, but you know, I it's not gonna happen. Or if it happens, it'll be eight months too late or whatever. It, it, again, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But that it was really good, and and I thought Rollins was great and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's being propped up more because the rest of the show is so bad. And and if there's something that you want to say, okay, geez, I wasted four hours on the show, but at least I got that. I feel like it's being propped up a little bit more by that. In four months, we're not going to remember this match ever. You know, we're never going to bring this match up ever again. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think, and people aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but isn't that the story of this podcast? Um, I think when it comes to the Miz, I think because Dave Meltzer who Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez are the last two holdouts on earth who don't think the Miz is good. Right. So, but I think because it's Dave Meltzer who doesn't think the Miz is good. I think people go overboard praising the Miz just to shade, just to like fade Meltzer's opinion. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I think all of Miz's matches to some extent are overrated because of that in certain circles. I really do believe that. I think, I think the Miz can go in the ring and have a decent three-star match and people will go overboard on praise just because they're trying to be anti-Meltzer. It's very popular right now to be anti-Meltzer. Um, and, and, and the Miz is someone who he just refuses to give credit to, although he liked this match. Uh, he did bury the Miz a little bit in the review itself, saying that he was sloppy and those sorts of things. Yeah, the Miz stuff's weird. Yeah, I don't know because you were on record as saying like the Miz has been pretty good for like you know six years now or six or seven. We've been years. saying it since the show started. Yeah, like, I, 2011. I've been all in on the Miz, so I, I don't know why. Like, yeah, it's but but it's like Meltzer's like the very last holdout, and I think people just I, I think they overrate the Miz to some extent because of that. Um, the Miz is a good wrestler who a lot of people think is great. He's not a great wrestler. He's a good wrestler. Um, what do you think of the theory 
that I saw thrown around by a bunch of different people. And I love it, honestly. I think it's a tremendous idea. What do you think of the theory that Roman Reigns wins the money in the bank, Seth Rollins has Brock Lesnar beat, and Roman Reigns cashes in and fucks Seth the way Seth fucked him? Yeah, perfect. You think it's a good idea? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. I forgot who who mentioned it first, but I heard it and I said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's as simple as that. It, it, you, you rock, you put the rocket ship on Rollins with that way. You know, he gets over and, and, and you build great feud for, for, for Roman. Roman officially turns heel. You, you know, Rollins can win the match too. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, he doesn't have to, Rollins could win the title if you really want to find a way to get it off Lesnar. Yeah. One or another. I'm fine with either one of those stories, but I think that's ideal. I mean, that, that's, that's it right there. All right. So we had Nia Jax uh, beating Alexa Bliss. I thought Alexa would win the title back here, but then, you know, if I would have known they had Nia Jax promo planned, where she basically did, you know, a public service announcement for bullying. Here's the thing. I don't need this shit on my wrestling shows. Nobody in the crowd needed it. Did you hear the crowd reaction? Like, this is how, again, we talk about the salty hammer with this company. They had, the the crowd was all in on this bullying story. Nia Jax defeats the bully and then cuts like a shitty generic scripted PR promo about be a star. And the crowd starts booing her because they don't know how to be natural or normal. Yeah. And the story was told. It, co- it was concluded at WrestleMania. Um, you know, we talked about that in the preview. Um, look, it's we know Stephanie McMahon is all in on philanthropy. She actually said that philanthropy is a good business move, which you should never say in public. You should just do your philanthropic ventures and you shouldn't say that it's good business because it makes you then come off disingenuous. But you're going to see shit like this from time to time in this company. Uh, it does come off forced. The crowd here wasn't buying it. And this match stunk. Every now and then, Alexa Bliss lays an egg. Um, you know, she does great character work. I'm someone on Team Alexa when it comes to her character work. I don't know where you stand. A lot of people think that she's bad at the acting aspect of it. I think she's excellent as her character is like a bitch. And I think she's tremendous at that. Um, others don't. Where do you stand? I think she's a great character. I, I like the character a lot. No, I, I, I like Alexa Bliss. I think the in-ring needs, still needs a lot of work. Yeah. And, and the problem is she she works to her opponent and and she works to the match and and and, that, and that's always going to be an issue for her is is she still needs to be in the ring with someone that's really good when she's in the ring with someone really good she can deliver she can do great stuff her matches with Sasha or whatever th- those all delivered and, and were yeah. good Naya's not at that level either Naya has one sort of speed that she goes and one sort of working style that she works and and we've said she still doesn't quite understand how to use her body like you know what i mean she doesn't quite know how to be powerful she doesn't yeah. she's very light she's she's very soft with everything that she does and she doesn't need to be she could be awesome if she just kind of put some power into stuff and put some oomph into it but she never really quite does and then the problem with this man i thought the structure of this match was shitty too because you have alexa Bliss just beating up nia Jax the entire time and it's like okay and then i just wins and then yeah and it just it looked like shit the layout was dumb and and yeah the promo afterwards were terrible so i i, I hate this entire thing but alexa i like the character alexa in-ring worker alexa needs a lot of work she had, it's like she has really bad matches with Becky Lynch, which doesn't make sense because Becky Lynch is excellent. Um, and sometimes she looks like an absolute fucking savant. And then other times she looks – yeah. So she's overrated too. I mean there's people who think she's great. She's not great. She's not even close to a great wrestler. She's overrated too. And Nia Jax, I, I have no use for her. I think she stinks. I, I, I have zero use for Nia Jax. Uh, Jeff Hardy defeats Randy Orton. And we tried <sighs> to <laughs> – Sorry, what? What were you saying? <laughs> We tried to sell this match last week. They haven't done it since 2000, whatever. Uh, it's fresh. 
uh Randy, <laughs> we, Randy, t- we really tried we, we were, you're, you're thinking you're thinking we're joking if you didn't listen to last week's show we really i pumped out the the cage match stats we tried to get interested about this match we really did and then it was a nothing match i mean jeff hardy's lost it jeff hardy has lost it um and and i don't know if the injuries have caught up or he's just you know cashing them checks but he's done nothing interesting since he's returned and you know randy orton this is another guy. I mean, you know, sometimes it's what you get out of Randy Orton. So this was a fucking nothing match. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> what, what, what do you even say about this? How do you even write a review of this? Oh, you're telling me. I I, <laughs> I got to do it. What are you I sit there and I have no idea what to say. What, 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 would you, what, what did you write? Have you written it yet? I haven't. What could you even write? I don't even know. I couldn't even put a sentence together about this match. I'm writing it tomorrow. And here's the thing. <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna tell you. I need. Do you have even one sentence written? Like one sentence of an idea. Here's what I generally do. Other than Jeff and Jeff and Randy had a nothing match is about all I could say. I got to do 700 words total. So what I'll usually do is matches like this where I have nothing to say. I save them for the end, and if I already hit 700, it's not getting part of the review. It just leave it out. The problem is it was for a title, and I do try to shoehorn in all the title matches at least. So I'll probably say something like, you know. Jeff Hardy defeated Randy Orton in a match uh, dragged down by mundane action. And I'll just leave it at that. They'll get one sentence. I have nothing else. What else <laughs> am I supposed to say? Know. You know, mm-hmm. or I'll just throw in the finish, you know, a match dragged down by mundane action with a swanton dive finish, right. which by Jeff the Hardy way, retains his U.S. title via yes. swanton. Yeah. Which almost killed Orton. I mean, the highlight of this match was like Hardy almost killing Orton with a swanton because he like missed the target. Uh, just bad stuff. Daniel Bryan defeats Big Cass by submission um, as the Daniel Bryan Dream Match Tour soldiers on. Um, I, look, you know, I thought this was kind of interesting. I actually like because what, what's interesting about this is Big Cass is is, is tall. He's big. Yes. And Daniel Bryan, um, who's not Big Cass is big again, right? We got that right. He's tall and he's big. Right. Daniel Bryan is not big. He's That's he's right. small. And thus, you could probably call him an underdog. And I thought it was kind of cool that they did Daniel Bryan, the underdog, versus Big Cass, who's big and tall. I don't know about you, Rich, but I was amazed that Daniel Bryan overcame the odds in this one. It's a fresh story that we haven't seen. So uh, there you go. Daniel Bryan beats a a bigger opponent uh, in a, I don't know, two-star special did you think this was anything special whatsoever nothing it was this was was a match it was it was fine (laughs) but it yeah it it seemed like it ended kind of abruptly too i don't know what exactly happened i think prior to this was the ungodly long elias segment right yeah and also uh big cast beat up a midget so um you know he's being de-pushed so there's that news that broke a couple days Mm -hmm. later so by Ryan, the aforementioned Ryan Satin, give him a little credit there. TMZ man breaking the scoops. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, so that probably had something to do with it, too. Which stinks because whenever you can whenever you can book a midget impersonating a wrestler, I mean, that's the goods, man. That's where I, it, it's the telltale for the last 25 years, every you know year or so. Vince pulls it out. He's probably yucking it up backstage, loving it. Man, it's best, but yeah, he uh, he went too far and beating him up instead of just kicking him or something. I don't know what the fuck knows. Why do they love that? It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so terrible. It's one of the worst things they do. It's just it's so fucking bad. But I, I guess that's just Vince's sense. It's it's humor. literally never been funny either. It's never been funny. Never. Not one time has it been funny. <laughs> you know. 
So uh, but yeah, it seemed like it ended really out of nowhere. It seemed kind of weird. I don't know if they were told to go home early. It just it just kind of sucked. I don't know. It was fine. And then the worst thing ever is Daniel Bryan, you know, defeats Big Cass and then gets beaten up afterwards. So it's one of those, you know, 50-50, yeah. nobody gets over things. So it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, what, why well, did I, I watch mean, that? Big Cass was 100% winning this match if he didn't, you know, get in trouble. You think? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that angle of it, but that makes sense. Or wait a minute. I wait. Is our timeline off? Did he? When I did thought he beat, he beat up, up the, the midget this week, didn't he? Oh, okay. Then forget it. Yeah, because as soon as that story broke, I thought to myself, "Oh, that explains it." Because I was fully expecting Cass to win the match, but you're right. I think it happened afterwards. So, uh, Carmella defeats Charlotte Flair. My God, was this fucking horrendous? This was the worst match on the show. Carmella fucking stinks. Carmella stinks. Sorry, Joe, not to interrupt your, your, your rant, but just to clarify, because now we have 4,000 tweets about it. It was the week. It, it was the build, too. I, I completely forgot it. I, I think it I, uh, like Vince McMahon, I, I, I try to negative things. I try to get, make them leave my brain like he does with Andre. Um, okay. Yeah, it was, it was the, uh, the build. It was the, the go-home show for Backlash. So there you go. I, Cass probably would have won. You think? Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Brian won, I'll be honest. Like, it, it, it shocked me, and it was kind of weird how quickly it, it, it sort of came and went, the match as well. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. Now. It, it does, because so anyway, I really expect the cast to win that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably why fucking Brian probably would have lost. Anyway, Carmella fucking stinks. God, she's bad. Carmella really is a contender with Jinder Mahal as the worst wrestler on the on the roster. Not counting NXT geeks who just do TV jobs or haven't made TV yet. What do you think? <laughs> those of that are opinion? better. I think those people are all... Do those people know when a kick actually hits them and just sells it? That, like, that was... So egregious. <laughs> She's so bad. No, I think she might be worse than some of them. She was really bad here. And it's an it's an issue, too. I'm not going to let Charlotte off the hook because we always talk about this, too. If Charlotte's in there with a dud of a wrestler, she goes dud, too. She yeah. is not one that's going to carry that match. And that's always been a problem with Charlotte. And it's, it's a problem with a lot of the women. If they're in there with someone that's a good dance partner and they, they can plan it out and they're ambitious and they do all that, it's great. It's awesome stuff. But Charlotte with Carmella no one's going to lead that match. No one knows what they're going to do. And Charlotte should be the one to sort of get that under control. And she did not, but it didn't, it, it, I don't think it would really matter. Cause Carmela is that bad. Like you're saying she is. Yeah. Carmela is this fucking shit. The she, yeah. I don't know. She might be <sighs> her and gender. It's kind of funny. The juxtaposition of the two, because gender also sold a kick that missed him by, you know, 15 feet, you know, not that long ago. So I don't know. Yeah. It's um, she's, she's definitely a contender, but this, this was atrocious. This was really, really bad. It, the thing about Carmella, she doesn't have the instincts. There's just nothing there. She's worse. She'd be like, I don't know, the seventh or eighth best worker on a low-level indie show. She's she's fucking bad. What is the appeal? What is the appeal of this person? I don't know. You're gonna get the RP accounts all mad at us, though. They're gonna they're gonna be sliding the mentions. Not that they listen to the show, but uh, if you make a tweet about it, uh, they'll be all in there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I. She's good at on Twitter getting mad about haters or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I I honestly have no idea what's going and on. And I like Charlotte, but you're right. She's overrated too. This is the show where we call everyone overrated. Yeah, fuck this. We're we're we got the blow torches out. We're going. But <laughs> she is. I mean, Charlotte is overrated. I mean, she's she just she's doesn't the, rise. She doesn't make anybody rise. She she's right. good at sort of getting to the level of her opponent or or matching her opponent or whatever. But if she's in there with somebody that can't go, she is not going to lead that person through anything. She is because she's equally sloppy sometimes too, and, and yes, that's an issue. Very sloppy. Um, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, they go to a no contest by kicking each other in the balls. I thought this was a really good match until they kicked each other in the balls. 
Um, almost as good as the opener. Almost. Um, as far as the finish goes, I liked the non-finish at Greatest Royal Rumble. I kind of suspected and talked about last week that they were going to drag this feud on probably until SummerSlam. This is one way to do it, having no one ever win. Um, I'm not as cold on the finish as everybody else. I just thought it looked silly. What did you think of the no contest finish? Okay, so that's interesting. We, we had not talked about this, but I'm kind of the same way. People were really upset about it. And I God think, damn it, Rich. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think, I think again, like uh, with the context of the show, if this, if the rest of the show was fine, if the main event was okay, if if this was okay, then I don't think anybody cares that this match ended the way it did. But yeah. it was like, you know, we had a run of like four or five bad matches. This match was about to get pretty good. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd quite put it at the level you did of, uh, as as the opener. I thought the opener was was a little bit better, but it was good. It was solid. And then this goes to a no contest and it puts it. You know, you're you're you know two hours straight of just utter shit being thrown at you in terms of, of finishes and matches. And I think that's what set it off. If if Carmella and Charlotte was good or Daniel Bryan and Big Cass tore the house down, I don't think anybody gives a shit that this match ended in no contest. I think because it only exacerbated what was going on with the show, that made it a lot worse to people. And I think that then stood out a little bit more. So, no, I, I don't mind the finish all that much. Like, the, the one thing that kind of bothers me, and this is kind of, you know, is, is and this is kind of how WWE does their matches and does these sort of things, is that, Joe, do you know how many times these guys have faced each other now, singles matches? Like televised? Yes. <sighs> Tell me. It has been one sec here. Let me uh let me fire it up here. I believe it's is it three or four? Let me fire it up here. Three times. So they faced it three times already mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah, WrestleMania, greatest. WrestleMania Royal greatest now backlash. Now we're gonna get another one. We might get another one after that. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like that, you know, in th- <laughs> New Japan did one match of those two. Yeah. And it's still talked about. These guys are three deep. And what have we done? We're, we're really good at hit. And you were wondering last week when I would get sick of the nut shots. I'm sick of them now. So yeah, yeah, I'm ready yeah. for us to move on to something other than the nut shots. Right. But well, we knew that was it. coming. No, no. So it, it's. Yeah. I tried to warn people that yeah. was coming. I enjoyed them, but then there was like four in this match. And I was like, okay, I'm done now. I'm, I'm done. It, it was yeah. fine. The double nut shot kick. I mean, it, it's silly. I think the, the way that you described it is perfect. It was silly. And that sort of took people out of it a little bit. I think there might have been yeah. a way to make it look less silly and make it look a little less serious, but it felt comedy esque the way they did it. Yeah. And, and on paper, I don't have a problem with the, with the finish. I don't. Um, I didn't like, you know, I love the non finish at Grand Royal Rumble because I think that worked two in a row. Eh, but I still didn't really, you know, hate the idea of the no contest. But I don't know. It'll drag on forever. Maybe one of these times they'll have a classic match. I mean, we know they have it in them. Uh, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley uh, defeated Steen Erico, Rich. Do you remember Steen Erico? I do. Of course I do. Okay. Um, This was a pile of shit. (laughs) This was not Steen Erico. They have no idea how to keep Braun Strowman on ice while they do whatever it is they're doing with Roman Reigns. So he's just kind of being booked you know, in meandering shit that doesn't matter. If Vince McMahon's livelihood was on the line the way it was for most of his career before he was protected by being publicly traded, which to his credit, he got the company there. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I, I will never bash his business acumen. But before he was protected by the stock and before he was protected by TV gaudy, gaudy television rights deals, when his livelihood depended on getting people over and pushing the right people, Braun Strowman would be the, you know, obviously the top star in the company right now. But because Vince McMahon can basically do whatever the fuck he wants, 
because he doesn't have to have good creative and he doesn't have to tell good stories anymore. He can basically tell the stories that suit him and get away with it. Braun Strowman is kind of on ice doing nothing of consequence. And Rich, they run the risk of people giving up on him. I don't, I'm not suggesting that they're anywhere near that point yet. But if they continue to do nothing with Braun Strowman, people are going to be tired of waiting. And they're going to miss the window. And it's incredible to think <laughs> that they could miss the window on this guy. Because Vince is still stroking his peen at the idea of eventually getting Roman Reigns over. It is incredible to me. At any other time, at any other time in Vince McMahon's history, this guy would be main eventing every show and destroying everyone in his path. What the fuck are they doing? Yeah, I don't know what this was. And I, I you know, th- th- to be honest, it wasn't the, the Braun stuff annoyed me to the point where I, yeah, but I've kind of, resigned to the fate that the Braun thing is just kind of going to be listless for a while. I, I think the thing that bothered me most about this match was Owens and Zayn. And I think the issue of just having them be total. And we, again, subtlety hammer, we talk about all the time where, where they've shown any little bit or any little bit of wrinkle of comedic effect. And this was just a straight comedy match and it didn't need to be that. It could have been something a little bit more than that. It could have been a pretty fun match. These two dudes could have really went out there and tried to win this match, but instead it was them running away. And, and, and even that they made it fun. Owens and Zayn. But ultimately, when it was all done, I was just like, well, fuck, like that was just dumb. Like, you know, it just it accomplished nothing when it was all said and done. And, and I think that what bothers me a little bit because Owens and Zane are so good. And I would try to maximize everything that you can do with those guys because they're good at anything you give them. And this, you could have had any two guys do what Zane and Owens did. You know, you know, you could have had any random job or team go in there with Lashley and Strowman. If you wanted to show that Lashley and Strowman are these monsters, fuck, Lashley didn't even do anything. What, what the fuck did Lashley do in this match? Why was he even here? Braun should have just well, do this did, on his own. He didn't botch. I guess he didn't do it because they didn't put him in the ring. He was only in the ring for four minutes. He scored the fall. I mean, he, that's all you know. he did. I think is that is that all he did? I really honestly think that he tagged in, and that's all he did. Well, there wasn't much to it, and it was really just an extended angle. To Owens and Zane ran around the ring. Braun chased them. He closed on Owens a few times, and that was it. Well, yeah, it was to put over the split, the eventual split angle because there's question. It, you know, they questioned who was the legal man when Owens got pinned, and then Zane cowered and allowed Owens to get beat up in the post match as well. Because Lashley scored the pin, but then they had Strowman do the beatdown after the match. And Zane kind of didn't help his boy. You know what I mean? So they're just building up to that friction. But, you know, it wasn't entertaining in the least. It wasn't over in the building. Um, and, you know, my concern is, you know, they're going to blow it with, with Strowman to, you know, continue on with with. There, what really is Vince McMahon vanity booking? That's what we can call it at this point, because they're kind of bulletproof at this point to traditional wrestling booking. He can just do what suits him. It, it's it, it's incredible, and I really don't know what to say anymore. And I guess that's a good segue into Roman Reigns defeating Samoa Joe, and he gets himself a big win, and they cut to the crowd, and everybody's walking, getting up, and leaving, and. I could sit here and bash it like we always do and have fun with it. But Rich, it's actually kind of sad. I mean, now when this guy wins matches, people just literally, literally throw their hands, stand up, and quietly walk out the door. Yeah, how, how, in, how amazing was that where they, sh- they cut to like a, a crowd shot? They want like the, somebody cheering, and it's just kids and everybody in their section standing up and walking away. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's over. Thank God. We're gone. Bye. You could talk about your dopey political hits. 
You can talk about bad booking. I don't care anymore. I said this several weeks ago. The reasons do not matter. This guy, it, it's, it's, he's toast. It, he's not the guy. He never was the guy. Until the end of time, I will thump my chest because I said it from the beginning. He never was the guy. And he's, he's clearly not the guy now. And, you know, bad booking has, you know, helped. But in reality, he never was the guy. This was just sad. Samo- this match started off great. The Uranaki through the table. Crowd was into it. And Samoa Joe probably at the direction of, of, of you know, his bosses. I mean, this it became nothing but chin locks. Mm-hmm. I think in an effort to not get Joe over. I think they didn't want people like cheering Joe outwardly. They're I don't know, well, yeah, because when he was coming out, there was Joe chance and stuff. Like it, yeah. people were into Joe, people were way into Joe for this match and, and, and rallying behind him. And then uh, no, like you said, during those chin locks, people just said, "Fuck this, we're done." And and we give up on the match, right? And nobody I made any noise about anything. My theory is at this point, to avoid Roman's opponents getting cheered and Roman getting booed, they'd rather have people just not care about the match. I believe it's a directive. I do. I don't think Samoa Joe just decided, let me suck all the heat out of this baby. He's too good, and we've seen him for too many years, and he's smart. I think the directive now is suck the life out of these crowds so they don't boo him anymore, and they don't cheer the other guy. Make the other guy so uninteresting that he's uncheerable and and bore these people so they don't boo him. That sounds insane. It sounds delusional. But it, but look how they they they've booked Roman lately. It's all insane and delusional. It, could I possibly be right? What do you think about that? I've been thinking about that all week. Yeah, I I don't know anymore with this thing. Like I I I there's this weird like what are they aware of? What do they just don't care about? What are they? I, I I'm at a loss, and that's that's kind of why I, I kind of threw my hands up at the beginning of this. I I don't know anymore. I don't even try to guess anymore. I don't I. It, it, I I don't know. <laughs> like I feel like it's cop out. I don't I don't know what goes through their minds anymore. I I just because I cannot fathom anybody in that company. You know, being like, yeah, this is you know, seeing what the layout of the match was, or or understanding what's going on, or or, or seeing what's been going on for years and years and years now, and just continuing to do it, just continuing to go full steam ahead. And this was one of the most glaring ones I had ever seen because you're not getting, and, and we've always talked about this when when the tide really turns is when people stop booing him and start showing apathy towards him. And that's yeah. absolute WrestleMania was on your biggest show of the year with uh, 78,000 people fucking around with beach balls and showing apathy. That's when it was like, oh, okay. Because Cena, for whatever it was worth, never got apathy. He got booze. He got Cena sucks. He never got apathy. Roman and, I, and, I will, and, I, and I'll argue to the death that Cena's booze were different than Roman's booze. But that's I was I was at, yeah, because exactly I was at a sh- I was at show many shows booing Cena because that was kind of the thing. It was like, hey, I'm over, you know, 25. We boo Cena and let the kids it, say, let's go Cena. It, it, it was a fun. It, we we it, knew it. He knew it. Yes. It was fun. We were all in correct. On it. it all it started off as Roman booing. It evolved into playful booing. Right. Like by 2007 is when it kind of started off as like, the, oh, we're sick of Cena, seen enough. Yes. And then like in a few years, it was like, well, whatever. He's good enough. We're, we're fine. We get it. We get it. it. It just became part of his act at that point. The Roman booing is filled with vitriol from day one and, and continues to be. And you're right. 
we're starting to see apathy now. I, you know, so, and then that's a really bad sign. I think by design, their idea is if we can't control these crowds, let's just suck the life out of them. And they've been tweaking with the sound too. You know, they, they, you know, the botch mania guys do a great job with that, exposing that. They'll turn down people chanting for Samoa Joe. They'll turn down anti-Roman chants. You know, they'll turn down the booing when Roman comes out. I think they're trying to kill these crowds so they don't have to do it. So they, they just don't have anything going on during this. <laughs> why, why, why go through all this? Why not just push someone else? It's, it's incredible. Really, it's, it's something push else. Push someone else. Send this guy home for six months and try again later. You know what I mean? It's with, and do something new. Get rid of that fucking music. Because that music is just a cue to boo. You know, it's just change everything. Get rid of the dopey vest. Get rid of the music. Bring them back with a fucking haircut. I'm telling you, strip them down and start over and do something different with this dude. If you insist on fucking, I, it's like, I, I don't even know anymore. What are we doing? Can we move on? I can't, I can't do yeah, this. Yeah. One, one more thing I want to do. And, and, and I've always been pretty good on this show about sort of, taking Roman side in a lot of ways. Like, you know, you're kind of the, 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 the ardent Roman basher or whatnot. And I've always kind of said, yeah, I think he's fine, but there, there's this, there's creative, yada, yada. I've always kind of not, you know, not defended him to the extent that some people do and always the greatest, you know, but, but always kind of given him the benefit of the doubt and said, ah, you know, whatever. But I'm at a point now where, where, and, and I mentioned this a little bit on Twitter in any other era. So you mentioned in any other era, Vince wouldn't be Teflon from just doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. He, his livelihood would depend on good creative and, and, and stuff that fans want to see and, and stuff that people want to consume and, and, and stuff like that in any other era, the star doesn't do stuff like this. The star doesn't get shit on time and time again. The star adjusts. the star demands. He be changed a little bit. The star demands that things be the star kind of gets it and understands, Hey, this isn't working. I know that this is what you want to do, but here's what we're going to do. Roman never does that. And I don't, I, you know, I'm not privy to the backstage stuff. I don't know that he's not, but in any other era, Stone Cold doesn't go out like this. This shit doesn't happen to Stone Cold. This shit doesn't happen to The Rock. This shit doesn't happen to Triple H. This shit doesn't happen to Hulk Hogan. It doesn't happen to Flair and WCW or Sting. And, you know, you can go over and over and over the list of guys that that if you're if you're if you're the top star, you you can you can change some of this stuff. And and that gives me that gives me because you said like, oh, what are they are they doing this? Are they, and it gives me pause. It's like, does Roman understand what's going on? Does he know that this is what the way it is? Like, I'm assuming he does. I'm assuming he's a smart enough guy to know, hey, this fucking sucks. You know, like he's not, you know, putting earplugs in and realizing, hey, that was really good. Everybody really loved it. I don't know that. I don't know if he's completely delusional. I, I'd imagine he's smart enough to know that that this is probably not how it's supposed to be, that things could be different, that he could say, hey, Vince, look. I know you want to do the baby face. It's not working, man. Like, let's change things up. I, I, I don't want to go out there anymore. This sucks. But he's not. He walks out there every time. He does his dopey tweets about how it was its yard and the haters and that sort of stuff. It's just the same thing over and over and over. We talked about this for three years now. At what point do you start kind of poking the finger or, or pointing the fingers and going, hey, Roman, when do you kind of stand up and realize that you have the power to sort of dictate some of this stuff too? That you have the power to sort of say, hey, look, I'm not doing this shit. This shit sucks. No, I'm not going to have a match with Samojo where we stand in a headlock for for 10 minutes. That's going to kill everybody. No, Vince, I can't keep doing the babyface thing. <laughs> like, it's not working. We have to adjust. You're, you're throwing me out to the wolves there. At what point do we start realizing that Roman maybe at, at a point needs to s- sort of stand up for himself? Because people kind of give him a pass all the time. People kind of say, oh, it's bad creative. Oh, he's being put in a bad spot. Oh, he's, you know what? Stone Cold is getting put in bad spots. Stone Cold says, fuck off. I'm going home until you put me in the right spot. Until you put me in the spot that I'm in because I'm so fucking cold and I'm the star of this company. And uh, I know let me, Roman yeah. thinks that let he's me, not. Let me jump in real quick with it. Let me jump in real quick. 
Roman would lose to Coachman. Right. Stone Cold says, fuck you, I'm going home. And, and that's telling. I, I think that's a big deal. And I know that 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 there's the idea that, oh, well, you know, Vince is the, the guy and you, you listen to him and you got fucking Rip Rogers telling you, hey, who cares if you win or lose? Just listen to the boss, whatever. Fuck off, Rip Rogers. You, you fucking idiot. But you know, did you see that tweet earlier? Like, what era did he come up in? What is he talking about? He I, came up yeah, in the seventies and the eighties, where everybody bitched about everything. Yeah, because and it was all good. Where guys, where people would step on each other's throats. What is he talking fucking, about? Yeah, he, he's he's a he's a moron. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, you know, if you win, you lose. You lose. Who cares? It's all about the boss and what he says. No, <laughs> he lived in an entire era where nobody fucking listened to the bosses. Where everybody said, "Fuck off, I'm gonna go to WCW. Fuck off, I'm going to WWE. Fuck off, I'm going to Portland." Like, what are you talking about? Wrestler said, "All power." Bruiser Brody, notorious for listening to his boss. Right, Bruiser Brody. What do you want me to do, boss? All right, got it, buddy. I'll do it. I'll. I'll... <laughs> Stan Hansen, famous goose stepper for all of the promoters he worked for. Yeah, yeah, sure. Rip, rip you yeah. fucking moron. But um, no, but like you know, and, and that's the thing that I've always kind of got with Roman is like I, you know, there's always this, always oh, being put in a bad spot, or oh, he, he can't do this, he can't do this, he can't do this. He he has the power. You know, he might not think that he does. There might be the perception that he does, but he absolutely does. If Roman says, Vince, the babyface thing isn't working, I'm not doing it. Let's change. We got to change course here. I, does Vince say, get out of my office, you're fired? He's, they've invested way too much in him to do that. They obviously think highly of him. And Vince loves those guys that push back on him. We've heard historically the things that Vince loves the most is when you say, no, Vince, you, this is what we're doing, or no, you know, fuck off. Leaving and going away, it's why everybody comes back. Because Vince wants, Vince wants you to win some battles. When it's all said and done, he's going to win the war. He's going to bring you back. You're going to come hat in hand. You're going to want to get to him. You're going to need him for something, whether it's a Hall of Fame or a job again. But he he kind of likes when you win the battles. He kind of likes when you stand up to him and and tell him those things and do those sort of things. And and I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe Roman does. Maybe Roman every single week says Vince, no, 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 this is stupid. I'm not doing it. Maybe he's got to do some action here. At what point does Roman take control of his own career and realize what's going on here? Listen. If you want to sit here and tell me Roman Reigns has no balls, I'm going to agree with you. He's not an alpha. And we've talked about that in the past. He's not an alpha. An alpha does not have that match that he had against The Undertaker. I don't want to hear about how broken down and immobile The Undertaker was. You find a way to make it interesting. You find a way to make it interesting. Okada did it against Tenru. Um, Other guys have done it in the past. You find a fucking way to make it interesting. Uh, Roman Reigns does not get, you know, true, you know, Alphas in this business do not get eaten up in the ring as much as Roman Reigns does. The Triple H WrestleMania match is another one, which wasn't good. And he got eaten alive in that match. He's never been an alpha. They call him the big dog, but that's not who he is. Okay. Uh, you know, your Hulk Hogan's, your rocks, your stone cold, Steve Austin's, uh, you know, they knew how to control crowds and they knew how to get over and they did what it took and they showed balls and they had balls. This guy isn't that. It's another reason why he's never going to be the guy. He doesn't have it in him. He just doesn't have it in him. He he wilts. He just wilts. Yeah, and, and the crowd control thing is an important thing, too. I mean, I I think at a certain point, if, if, if you understand the crowd's the way, like in that match, you, you know, like where do you then tell Joe, all right, look, here's what we're going to do now. This this We can't lose the crowd like this. Let's yeah. change it up a little bit. Let's, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy here. You're, you know, you're, I, I understand Samoa Joe probably doesn't want to be the guy that says, Hey, let's, you know, do this and change this. But Roman could say, Hey, look, this isn't working. Let's fucking change it. Who cares? Would the rock have had that match with Samoa Joe? God, no. Would Steve Austin have had that match against Samoa Joe? 
Now, Hulk Hogan may have had that magic against Samoa Joe, but he he would with mannerisms and facial expressions. No, and the crowd would have been on fire. Yeah, the yeah. crowd would have been fucking because off the rails, those yeah. are stars. Roman is not a star. That's the bottom line. And his lack of balls, which is what you're talking about, is part of it. You know, I, I, he's a good little worker. But the guy just doesn't have it. He doesn't have what those guys had. And that's what they want him to be. And he's not. He's Randy Orton. And I said it in 2013. He's Randy Orton 14, whatever it was. He's Randy Orton, which is a nice little guy, you know, a nice little upper mid-carder, sometimes a main event. That's what he is. Because Randy Orton isn't that either. And that's all there is to it. The book is written. You know, whether they keep trying or not. That's where we are. And you're absolutely right with everything you said. Yeah, it's as I, much I guess we're just going to keep driving into <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's I don't know what's next. I don't it's know. It's as much on him as it is on them. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I have just gotten sick of it always being, "Oh, well, well, no, he's got the power. This isn't, you know, Apollo Crews that, you know, <laughs> will lose his job in a second. This is Titus O'Neil, you know, you know, this is a guy who can who can stand up and say they're not going to fire Roman Reigns if he says this is shit. I'm not doing it. But I, I he agree. goes out there and he does his stuff, and then he writes his dopey little tweets about being the big dog and how it's his yard and the haters, and it's like, all right, whatever. We'll just keep doing this then. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> like, just keep being in the same cycle. Anyway, all right. Let's get to some stuff that we want to talk about. Before we do that, though, we have a problem, and it's not just a Roman Reigns problem, guys. Did you know that 66% of men lose their hair by age 35? Worse yet, when you start to notice hair loss, Joe, it's already too late. It is easier, and you know this, to keep your hair that you have then replace the hair that you've lost. So instead of turning to weird solutions or letting that bald spot continue to grow, you should turn to medicine and science. Joe, you should turn to 4hims.com. 4hims.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. 4hims.com connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. No more waiting rooms. No more awkward doctor visits. You can save hours by going to 4hims.com. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions. Then a doctor will review your answers and prescribe you. It's just that easy. Products then are shipped directly to your door. And today, voice wrestling listeners can get a free trial for just five bucks right now while supplies last. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to a doctor. Hundreds of dollars, you're going to get it for five bucks. You get started today at fourhims.com slash VOW. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash VOW. Fourhims.com slash VOW. And we thank them, of course, for sponsoring this week's show. Now, can we talk about Duntaku? Can we talk about stuff that was good? That I enjoy. Yes, we can. Good. Yes, we can. Duntaku. Um, how do you want to tackle this? There were two Duntaku shows. Uh, like half of each one meant anything. <laughs> yeah, um, I really wish I did not watch the undercards. I really I think my life, my week would have been a lot better. It's they were fine. They were good. There was some actually good stuff on some of these undercards. But ultimately, like I, if you put a gun to my head and said, "Hey, was this on night one or night two for some of those undercard matches?" I would have no clue, Joe. It's it's a lot of the same stuff, and it's it's when it's one show, I guess you live with it. Um, when it's two shows worth of this undercard stuff, it really is a lot to to slog through. Um, I say it all the time: the New Japan Multi Man Tags are actually underrated matches. The problem is, if you watch all of the shows, you're so fucking sick of them that you, you can't take it anymore. I think that if you just drop in half a dozen times a year to watch new Japan, you probably think that they're, you know, um, you know, high energy, decent little three star matches, which is exactly what they are. But if you watch everything like we do, you just get fucking tired of them. Um, I can tell you that 
when New Japan comes back after being off for a couple weeks or if I skip like the World Tag League Tour or something and I get back into New Japan, all these matches look real fucking good when I haven't seen New Japan in a while. The problem is when you're watching everything, it's like you can't fucking do it anymore. They just just drive you nuts. So I think what we should do is instead of breaking down, if it was just one show, we would talk about every match. I think we have years of, of doing that and people understanding that. I will just give a couple thoughts on the first half of the shows overall. Um, Chase Owens and Yujiro won a couple of tag matches over Young Lions. It's a little subtle thing, but I like that they do that because Owens and Yujiro are a prelim team that lose to everybody else, but you got to keep them credible. So, you know, when they have opportunities, they beat teams, uh, you know, composed of either one Young Lion or two Young Lions. And I think that's important. Um, They put... Tomohiro Ishii opposite of Hanare, uh, you know, both nights coming off the great singles match that they had. Those guys have unreal chemistry, and I love watching those two guys wrestle each other. And then um, I guess the other big thing is Killer Elite Squad has now been slid down the card. It'll be uh, Young Bucks getting the next title shot, and they really didn't do much of consequence on the tour either. And um, Rich, if you have anything else to add about the undercard stuff, some of the general themes go right ahead. Otherwise, I think we can break down the important stuff. Yeah, there, there's not a ton there. Um I think the Chase Owens thing that you mentioned was kind of cool to see them get the wins, and I think and and you've you kind of were banging the drum before a lot of other people, but Chase Owens, man, he's he seems a lot more comfortable now in New Japan. He feels like he finally has some confidence, like he he finally feels like he belongs, and like you can see yeah. it in the ring. He's just working smoother. He's working faster. He always felt like he was working a step slow, like he was kind of thinking, which I get. Like he's you know a guy from Tennessee, correct? Yeah, that's his home region. Yeah. Yeah, so like you know, imagine just grabbing a random guy from Tennessee and putting him in Japan, and like having him work. Like I get it. Like it'd be tough. Like we always talk with, and we talk with wrestlers, and they go, "Oh yeah, it's easy, it's easy." And I feel like it's not. You know what I mean? To just like go there and work with these guys, especially like you know, he's mucking up with a lot of younger wrestlers that aren't guys that are, are controlling the ring or whatnot. But it felt like on this weekend, I, I don't know why, for some reason, I was watching him just going, "He's getting it." Like he's just working quicker, he's working faster. Everything he's doing just looks powerful. He looks like a guy, and and it probably does help that he's he's getting these wins that he feels a little more confident. But he feels like a guy you know what I, like in that in all yeah. those matches he felt like the most important guy in every single one of those yes. matches, and it was designed that way he was designed to be that and that's cool and you can tell when a guy feels that and he knows hey i'm the man in these matches yujiro's you know yujiro and he's gonna do he's your thing but owens took over those matches and was you know the driving force of those and, and i thought they were really good it was fun to kind of see him and it was like one of those aha moments where i'm like all right like this you can see like kind of the wheels start, you can see this guy is really kind of getting it and i'm excited to see where they go with it like i don't i don't know if any you know what the sky is or the limit is for owens or where he goes or whatever but i mean i wouldn't mind like an owens Ujiro, you know random tag title match like they lose that's fine but i'd like to see them kind of build up it'd be fun to see them sort of work their way up the card and get to that point i don't know i don't know what you do with owens but i think there's 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 something brewing there it's it's kind of cool owens and Ujiro. And Ishii and Yano, I think, are two teams that they can plug into, you know, a placeholder tag team title match to get a win under a championship team's belt. Right. You know they're going mean? to lose. They're going to lose it's, every time, but it's fine. Right. Like, then you got that little climb, then they lose, and they kind of go back down, then they got to climb back up again. Right. But that's, that, that buys you some time. It buys you some months. Yeah, it, but yeah, exactly. It gets your tag team champs through a tour without, you know, burning off a match that you really want to do. So, so yeah, it's good that they have those you know, mid-level and, and prelim-level teams and that they keep them strong by giving them wins now and then. It's just something I noticed because they won on both nights. I guess the only other thing on the undercards would be, you know, the Goto stuff with, with Elgin and Taichi, which is setting up, a, you know, a three-way match that we'll talk about later. So there was a lot of that, too. Yeah, and then, and then never open weight on the uh, night one, too, with uh, Scroll and the, uh, the Bucks winning the titles over uh, Oh yeah, Tomatonga I mean, and Takaloa, so... I was going to give that proper attention, but I guess that's a good. Okay. Oh, sorry. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that met the level of proper attention. Okay, good. 
All right, well, then let's start there. Never open weight six-man tag team title match. You just mentioned it. I like the Young Buck Marty Skrull team. Uh, they're calling themselves super villains, Rich. And uh, they had a match against their, you know, Bullet Club uh, teammates, the Bad Luck Folly, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa team, and they won the titles. I think it was the right move. Uh, look, these belts are what they are. Uh, no one cares about them. Um, you know, they're just card filler. But I think if this team has them, it can give these titles a modicum of juice. I'm not going to get crazy, but with the Bucks and Skrull holding these belts, I could see this semi-main eventing Corkin. Uh, you know, a title match. I could see it main eventing a Corkin potentially these titles. These titles have main evented Corkin before when Taguchi Japan has held them. I could see this being third from the top on a lesser show. I think these titles have more juice than they had with the Tongans. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think, and those guys are kind of higher profile. Um, I think just having the belts on those guys and showing up and being the elite. And, and it's just like, cause I, I forgot who had the titles for a while. Cause those other dudes just don't project anything more than, you know, they're just kind of guys in the background, but I think it's, 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 yeah, it's a great idea to have the titles on those guys and, and the, the fun matches they can always do. But yeah, I know I think that's a, a, a much better team than, than Balak Folly and Tomatonga and Tongalo. Not nothing against those guys. It's just way more dynamic to put it on scroll and, 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 and the box. Yeah. Uh, we had, let's see, we'll skip that and we'll get to the uh, top three matches here of consequence we had willow sprank and kazuchiko okada defeating hiroshi tanahashi and kushida this was a rematch i don't know if you saw the match they had in cork and hall um you know earlier on the tour i might be on an island i preferred the cork and hall match i went four flat on that one this one was okay uh but i didn't think it was as good as their cork and hall match but but it was all right the other match uh tanahashi pinned osprey and this one okada pinned uh pinned kushida so they just flip-flop the winners mm-hmm. as they set up those two singles matches uh did you think anything of this tag or was yeah it just i, th- I thought the corkin was maybe a little bit better but i like this one a lot i i i thought this was pretty good it was fun the crowd was obviously into it and and, and just the dynamics of the two guys you know the two main events of the next night or whatever yeah. just kind of works and those teams it just they're like perfect units too you know osprey and okada just work each other you know work off of each other perfectly and, and, and tanashi and kushida are a nice little bundle too like i, I don't, i'm almost like you know when eventually in years from now if like kushida and tanahashi become a team I'd, I'd probably be into that they seem like guys that that could work pretty well as a team but i don't know yeah i enjoyed it and the crowd was on fire for it the corkin was probably a little bit better i think they worked a little harder on that one knowing what was coming the next night but i thought this one was pretty uh, pretty good this show at cody and kota ibushi and kenny omega and hangman page in a main event uh, at, at the top of the card, drew a little bit of Hangman under- Page in a main in a event. Main like, event yes. Did you ever think that the day would come where Adam Page of the Kingdom is in like a main event? Like, what are we? I mean, hey, it works. It's it's fucking crazy. But uh, you know, this this drew a little under five thousand. The next night, obviously, with Okada and Tanahashi sold out, did a little over six thousand, I think. Um, well, if, first, first, let's do that. What do you think of so for, for the grand total here? The two shows they drew over ten thousand fans. So again. It leads to less interesting individual shows, but you have to chalk it up as a win when you have the same crew in the same town two nights in a row and you can draw almost 11,000 fans instead of just drawing, you know, 6,100 fans. Um, But so from that perspective, I think we would both agree that's a win. We know that's why they split the shows. It's frustrating as a fan, but business is business. But what do you think of the first night? Do you think it's right about what they should have drawn for the first night? A little disappointing. Uh, was it good? What's your feel for doing a little under 5,000 with Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega in the main event? I think that card's weak as shit. So like, you know what I mean? Like from a, yeah. if, I was a, if I was a Japanese fan, 
I, shit, I mean, even when I was a Ring of Honor fan, even when I was an American fan, I, that, that card's kind of weak. Like, if that was going on, and, and it, if that was the all-in, like the top two matches of all-in, you know, I'd go, but if I, when I, I don't know that I'd get a bunch of my friends. No, I think that was weak as shit. So for them to get 5,000 in Japan for a largely, you know, Cody and Kenny and 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 Paige and the really only I mean obviously Omega's a, a special character because obviously because he he can sort of blend with the Japanese and the American audiences yeah. but really like Kota Bushi who we know is a draw like I, I, in one respect like it's Cody it, it, it's Bushi and Omega and those guys we know are draws but man that card's weak as shit <laughs> like you know it's just not like those are your top two matches compared to what the top two matches were the next night and you got and you have a show the next night so right yeah. I'm stunned that they did I thought they were going to be four thousand I thought it was I thought it would really do a lot less well it wasn't the four thousands to be fair it it was I I'm going to pull it up right now um just so we have the the um because I'm going off memory. Yeah, because I thought it'd be worse. I mean, I think that's kind of my overall thought is I thought it'd be worse. I was kind of pleasantly surprised by how much they, they, it was, did, they did get. It was 4,066. Okay, so, all right. Well, yeah, all right, yeah. Hmm. When you've got back-to-back shows, see, the card was weak. And what, what, what was day two then? Day two was six what? Uh, the the second Fukuoka show did sell out. Supernova vacancy sixty three oh seven. Okay, so they left about twenty four hundred, no twenty three hundred ticket, eh, twenty two hundred and change tickets on the table night one. I don't think anyone expected night one to sell out. I think if Hangman Page would have sold out, it's like I, I would have been stunned. No, I would have fallen. <laughs> that would be the lead topic here. Is oh my god, Hangman Page just sold out with no. I, yeah. <laughs> Hangman Page and, and Omega weren't going to do the same number as Okada and Tanahashi one night. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, it's not going to happen. But I think the 4,000 number is debatable whether you think that's a good number, an indifferent number, or a bad number. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm okay. I don't think it's a particular, it didn't blow, it doesn't blow me away. I think if they would have done under 4,000, it would have been. Do not split this show next year. Yes, yeah, I think this is this is enough where I, I run it back next year. I maybe go a little stronger yeah. on the on the first night than I did this year, but I, I run it back for sure next year. Four thousand is kind of like if you we sh- actually should have done this last week, but that probably would have been my breaking point number. Look, you got to do four thousand the first. You know what I mean? It's like anything less would have been bad. Anything way over, I think, would have been a massive success. I think they did did exactly what I would have expected them to do. I really have no opinion on that number. Um, but I do think splitting it worked, and I think you'll see it again because they drew uh, what ten thousand four hundred fans, uh, right. just about for the two nights, which is better than doing sixty three on one night. So, and they drew a bunch of bigger than normal crowds all tour long because they ran all those big matches all through the tour. So. They just find ways to squeeze more dollars out. Yeah, it sucks. Like we, we talked, we told you guys two you years have, ago. Like, yeah, exactly. But then you have to watch these fucking shows. I know That's this tour particularly, and we talked about it last week. Or it was just, I mean, because they honestly like w- w- spread out for the entire tour. There were a lot of good singles matches throughout this tour, but it was spread out over like three weeks. Whereas if all, all those like Hanari and Ishii would have been on a show in, yeah. in, in you know three years ago, you know, like this show would have been loaded. Show would have been awesome. But like, yeah, it's just go like to, go to right, juice. Yeah, right, right. right. The tag team title match, Naito versus uh, the Naito uh, IC match with Suzuki. I, I, I made a tweet at the beginning of the tour, cherry picking all the good shit. I didn't double up on any piece of talent. It looked like the card of the fucking year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's but then they're spread out over the course of six, seven, eight shows on this tour. This was really fucking bold. But then we got to watch these fucking undercards, you know? So Cody Ibushi. Um, I didn't. I thought the Wrestle Kingdom match was significantly better than this match. I didn't hate this match, but I didn't think it was anything great. 
um, where you stand on the Cody versus Bushi match, and were you surprised that Cody won? Um, I was very surprised that Cody won. That that took me by surprise because when I watched it, I, I actually tried to watch this unspoiled. Most of the Don't Talk about I actually tried to watch unspoiled, which was good. But this one, really, I I, I thought I did something wrong. <laughs> the video was screwing up. I was stunned that Cody won. I thought this was this was really good. I, I I thought Cody worked his ass off. I think Coda is Coda, and he's always going to do pretty well. I think this far exceeded my expectations. I, I was probably probably about four flat with this. I oh, expected wow. it to be three. I expected it to be you know three and a quarter maybe tops. I really even after even after Wrestle Kingdom. What did you think of Wrestle Kingdom? I can't remember what you thought of. Wrestle um, what did I think of? I don't remember what I thought of Wrestle Kingdom. I think I enjoyed the Wrestle Kingdom one. It was shockingly good. Remember, I think everybody. Liked I think it. I liked that one better than this, but this yeah. I still thought was pretty good. I think the the okay. The the one the table not breaking was an issue, but then it almost yeah. became such a ridiculous thing that it actually enhanced the match. Agree. Like if he hit it the second time, it would have been like ah, that kind of sucked. But the fact that it didn't break the second time, and then Cody's just withering in pain there, yeah. and then Cody has to put him through it again, and just like cra- I thought that really enhanced the match a lot. It was so that was kind of a weird thing where right. it was one of those botches that added to the match a thousand percent, similar to the Charlotte Sasha stuff. It it it, it, it oddly added to it. I completely agree. But yeah, I, I don't know. You liked it more than me then. So um, that, you know, I didn't hate it or anything. But if you're going four flat, I had around three and a half or something like that. It was fine. Um, Omega Hangman. I didn't really dig this all that much either. Um, it was fine. I had it around the same level as the Cody Ibushi match, maybe a smidge better. Um, but to me, this was one of the more uh, disappointing New Japan, you know, major shows of the year. Yeah, I, I, I'm indifferent on this match. I thought the story that they told was very good. And I thought when it was all said and done, I was very, I, I, I was impressed by Hangman Page. That, I thought he delivered. I thought he at least got to the level that he needed to get to. But when it was all, it, like, it, it just didn't at any point feel like a, a New Japan main event. It was over. And I kind of had that feeling, okay, what's next? And then it like faded. And I was like, oh, yeah, that that's the main event. It, it just, it didn't have that feel to it. It, it felt very definitive that Omega won, which is what it should have been. Omega should have definitively won. And I thought Hangman did well throughout the match. I thought he he rose to the occasion, but it just wasn't. I, I don't. It, it, it just wasn't enough there for me to, to 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 really invest in it as like this big time event that I was really going to love. I was probably about three and a half with it, which is fine. You know, I, I, oh, Page didn't shit the bed. Omega was good, but it wasn't a real standout. And I've seen a lot of people at like four, four and a half. That is amazing. I tried to watch it oh, thinking God. that, and and I went back and I was like, okay, what did I miss? And I watched it again. And I was like, no, it's, it's solid. It's good, but it's not to that level. And especially when you saw what would happen the next night and you see what real good main events look like real awesome. Main yes. events, and then you see this, yes. this was fine. If this was fifth from the top, it would have been perfectly. Okay. It would have been really good. But as a main event, it just felt a little empty to, to, to what you're sort of used to. I've turned the corner on Hangman. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. I talked about it last week. The problem with Hangman is he's mechanically sound and he's a good worker and all those things, but he's a charisma void. I feel like I'm watching Al Perez. I feel like I'm watching. <laughs> wow. Now, if the Al Perez comp doesn't work for you because you don't remember Al Perez, I feel like I'm watching um, – man, try, let me try to come up. With, I feel like I'm watching Brad Armstrong. Does, is that a good one? Is that one make? Or is that, that more contemporary? Solid. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, do we have I, another? Maybe for our younger? Do we have another more contemporary one for like our younger? Very hard here. I get the Brad Armstrong. <laughs> I do. I do. But you, right, so you remember Brad Armstrong, but you do not remember Al Perez. I don't know enough about Al Perez to yeah make any sort you of. You know strong. what I'm going to do? I'm going to suggest an Al Perez match for you when we do the recommend matches. Okay. Good. Good. See some Al Perez, but he remind. I feel like I'm watching Al Perez or Brand Armstrong, or I, I can't really think of a modern comp, a guy who's, you know, 
mechanically solid, a good worker, can have good matches, but you feel bored watching him because he has almost negative charisma. That's what I feel like when I'm watching Hangman Page, and I feel like his charisma takes his matches down a notch. I don't give a fuck about Hangman Page, and why would I? You know what I mean? He get, he goes in there, he wrestles well, and and he gives you nothing to care about. Um, I'm stalling to hopefully so you can come up with a modern comp because I really can't think of one. I, I'm, I'm um, doing it. I'm feverishly trying to go. I I'm, I'm really having trouble figuring out one that's that's yeah, that because it's like it's not you know obviously Jay Lethal's a little higher than that. I'm trying to think of like a main roster WWE. TN, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm Bobby Roode. Uh, yeah. I suppose, uh, but he—I don't think yeah, he's just—he's everything's boring about Bobby Roode. Right, I think Hangman Page is a much better wrestler than. I think Brand Armstrong is a better wrestler than Bobby Roode. I yeah. think Al Perez was a bet. Well, maybe not Al Perez. Well, to me, the most modern comp would be Adam Cole, but I don't think a lot of people believe that either. Where Adam Cole's like everything's perfectly confident, but I've never, ever, ever cared about any match that he's in. I do think he has charisma, though, and I don't think Hangman Page has any charisma. I, I guess you can, no matter what, he can get the crowd. He moves his fingers an inch, and the yes. crowd. Goes- was not so. I guess yeah. I guess there's something yeah. to that. The thing is, I think Hangman Page and Brad Armstrong and Al Perez are better workers than Adam Cole, but they Adam Cole blows them away. He's almost the opposite. He has a ton of charisma, but it's his work that puts you to sleep. You know what I mean? So it's like the same dynamic, but the opposite problem. So I, I don't know. I think maybe Bobby Roode would be the best. How how young do you think? You think our listeners are like fifteen? They know who Brad Armstrong is. No, no, I know. I think they're they're, they're pretty uh they're pretty good fans. So I think so. But there might be some you know the nineteen year olds might not know they're Brad Armstrong, but they should because you know all the WWE Saturday nights are up. You know you have no excuse now at this point. That's it. I agree. Al Perez is digging deep. But... <laughs> that's a little much. Yeah, the, the Brad Armstrong. You're probably okay with the Brad Armstrong, but yeah. So anyway, that's that's what we thought of the first night. You know, we're calling it a disappointing show and all that, but those last three matches pretty much blew away everything on backlash with the exception of the opener you know what i mean and it's like and we're like oh this card stunk but like everything on this card was like three stars so i don't know it's it's just but then night two and uh you know we talked about some of the undercard themes let's skip to okay the perfect spot is the lij versus suzuki goon 10-man tag um both nights Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., who, by the way, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, did not work the entire tour. He only worked something like two or three matches on this entire tour. But And didn't he work the night before? Because I'm pretty sure they worked over Naito's knee. Let me double check that. He did. Um, did he work this match too? Do we have a, a, a bad lineup here? No, I don't think he did work this match. Why didn't he work he, the second night in the same time? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> let me let me make sure that we have it right. Are we here, screwing but... this up? Maybe we're screwing this up. Let me find out. Yeah, I don't. Um... Like I Hold on, I got it. I did see him on that. Sh- I swore I remember the intro. I remember Taka screaming about him, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that didn't. Happen. On the first night. No, he the was not on night... night two. He was not on night two. I don't know. <laughs> That's bizarre, and I didn't notice that. Yeah. Why would he work one night? Oh, he had. To go, he had. Uh, he was in progress for their uh, super strong. Stuff. Oh, the super. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Anyway. The idea was on both nights, Zack Sabre Jr. on one of the nights, and Suzuki on both nights continually worked over Naito's knee, leading people to believe that they were continuing the Suzuki-Naito feud, right? Uh, so they have this 10-man tag, and it's, again, perfectly competent three-star match. And out of nowhere, which it would have been out of nowhere if Mike Johnson didn't report it. Uh, now, I'm not killing Mike Johnson for reporting it because that's his job. But at the same time, it did kind of spoil it. 
that you know we were waiting for Jericho the entire uh, you know through the entirety of these two shows to show up, and this is the spot they did it in. Hops out of the crowd with the bushy mask, attacks viciously attacks Naito, and it appears they're going to do it at Dominion instead of Cow Palace. We'll get to that later. Uh, forget the match; it was just a you know basic three star match. What did you think of the angle? Because I fucking loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I think well, one thing that's kind of funny is even if Mike Johnson didn't spoil it. The second a guy from the crowd comes and starts attacking Naito, wouldn't you think it's Jericho anyway? Yes, but like, I guess that you know what I mean. Like, I, you know, it, it doesn't totally ruin it because I would have thought it immediately. But like you said, you wouldn't have saw it coming. But you, you wouldn't have seen the attack, right? You would have known it was Jericho once the angle started. But they, the way they set it up, where Naito's just leaving and the LIJ guys are gone, you're like, oh wow, they're really not setting up. J- oh, there he is. You know what I mean? They, instead of when's he coming, you were waiting for him. Uh, because of right, yeah, no, I had a, I had a similar thing because as he's walking down the aisle, because I I didn't you know the gifts a lot of the things that I saw I saw some of the gifts before um because I skipped this match and went right to you know the main events and stuff and then went back and saw these gifts I'm like oh shit Jericho showed up I, I knew he was but I kind of I was like ah whatever I'll go back and kind of see it but I thought that he started attacking him in the ring so when Naito gets out of the ring I'm like did what, what's what, did I was that night one did I miss something what what the hell happened here I'm kind of confused and then all of a sudden then he you know comes out from the crowd so I, again it was like that thing you're like okay when is he coming when's an anticipated when it's doing I thought it was great I thought it was awesome I think it, the blood was a great touch to it because they're they're they so few or they they don't use blood a lot so that when you do use it it helps enhance it a lot and i just thought of him just beating everybody up the 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 bell ringing the the, the chaos it, there was just fucking chaos around it all the young lions are doing whatever they can he's beating their ass he's telling them to go fuck off or whatever the the cameramen are trying to snap pictures it was just utter chaos and that's that's what i love i i, I hate when you know a lot of times pro wrestling run-ins are like so manufactured it's like well why wouldn't anybody stop him like why is there not security why is there not people trying to to, to get rip him off there were always people trying to rip Jericho off. It wasn't like Jericho had five minutes to just beat down Naito. There was always somebody trying to get at him or, or, or do something, but he just kept beating him up or whatever. And I love that. I love that little touch of of, of it being a real struggle and of uh, you're not supposed to be here. What the hell are you doing type thing with the bell ring and the security, the, the cameras flashing and stuff. I thought that was a cool touch too, where the, the photographers are just going, and they would be doing that anyway, but they were just going nuts. Like, oh my God, Jericho's here, just snapping like crazy and, and doing stuff. So I thought that was really cool. But no, I, I thought it was great. And I thought it was a great reveal. Um, it sucked that the mask was like so tight that could get it off like you'd see it was jericho yeah. and don Callis is like well who is that it's like it's obviously Chris yeah. Jericho, dude. Yeah. like it just has not gone above his eyes because he can't get it above his hair he's like well who's behind the mask i thought it was so like i yeah. know they have to do that but it's just like oh man because you can't be silent so you kind of have to still be like i don't know who that is and it's like it's it's obviously yeah. jericho dude. like so i get it but that was kind of funny but no otherwise i thought it was perfect they, there's no better way to do it and i'm stunned that chris jericho said he would never be back and then he was back you can't trust this guy on social media, Joe. I cannot believe it that this Chris Jericho is apparently saying things to enhance stories in pro wrestling. Like, what, 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 what is pure anymore among pro wrestling Twitter? You can't he's believe quite, a wrestler. He's he's quite the prankster. I'll tell you. I talked about on the uh, television review show that I did on the Patreon side earlier today. Guys, wrestlers who are doing Twitter right, and he's one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, he's one of them. So. Um, yeah, I love the angle. I thought it was great. He brings a completely different element to New Japan. It's always super heated when he's around, and it's going to be the match with NATO is going to be super heated. So uh, we will talk about Dominion and Cal Palace in a minute, but let's get through the rest of this show. Ten man tag Bullet Club versus Bullet Club. They went out there and they fucked around and had a you know cute little comedy match for seven or eight minutes with uh, a lot of the comedy centered around Bad Luck Fale and Marty Skrull with Fale crushing squirrel and scoring the pin 
Um, no, no skin off squirrels back. Juniors are going to lose the heavyweights every time in New Japan. You have any other thoughts on this? No, that's fine. It's exactly the way it should have been. And it, 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 yeah. it was one of those. And Fale, we always say, he's a guy that like you can lose to him. And it's like, you don't really feel like Marty. You, you know, it's, it's a bit like Fale. He's a fucking monster. And when he beats you, yeah. he beats you. You know, it's never, it's Especially nobody's buried when they lose to bad luck folly. Nobody's ever, it's just like, oh, he's a big monster. And he can get, he can win at any point. And he can lose at any point. It's, it's, it's one of those guys you can just do that with all the time. Yeah. He could beat anyone and it. The, the guy doesn't lose anything, especially a junior. So <laughs> let's get to the matches we want to talk about that we're excited about. Willow spray versus Kushida. This was fucking awesome. And I got to tell you, Rich, um, if it didn't have such an abrupt finish, I, you know, you could probably say this about any match, and I know this might be some sort of cop-out, but maybe, maybe I can articulate it properly. If this didn't have such an abrupt finish where Will won so quickly, I, I, this was well on its way to being a five-star match if it had ended in a different way because the match was perfect up to the finish, in my opinion. This is one of the greatest performances of Will Ospreay's career, if not the greatest. Uh, his selling was on another level. Um, he, he just an incredible performance. Kushida was right there with him. Kushida is a great pro wrestler. Um, my only minor nitpick with this match was Will Ospreay took such a convincing beating in this match and sold so well that I didn't buy him winning so quickly in the end. Mm. That's my only gripe and why I went four and a half on this instead of five. Because I was watching this match and thinking, I am seeing an all-time great match. I'm watching an all-time great performance by Willow Spray, who, by the way, I'm ready to say it. He's one of the five best wrestlers in the world, if not higher. This guy, he's the best junior in the world, and he might be the best wrestler in the world, period. I, 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 I believe that. He's great. He's great at everything. And he's going to kill it against Havoc uh, you know, uh, in the UK, too. You watch. They always kill it. Okay. But this was well on its way to being an all-time classic. It's just the finish was like, oh, man, he took such a compelling beating that I didn't buy him winning so quickly in the end. What did you think? Yeah, I was kind of – I don't know if I was as miffed by the, the finish as you were. And, and and I say miffed like, you know, four and a half. Like, you hated it, Joe. You fucking hated the ending. But, I, you know, to me, it didn't bother me that much. It did – I, I see what you're saying in terms of like Will took such a beating that him kind of winning like that seemed like, oh, geez, like, you know, almost kind of an, it wasn't a no sell, but it was like, ah, I wish it would have been a little harder for him to win. But I didn't really mind that structure of the match because I thought up until that point they had done a really good. It, to me, it was sort of an, a, a way to sort of elevate Osprey even a little bit more than, than he already is by by saying that hey, Kushida gave him his best because Kushida was a bastard in this match. Kushida was throwing that that DDT on the apron or, or the DDT from the apron to the floor. He was stomping his face in. He was getting that booze. You know, when Kushida can can get a little more. You know, and it's always kind of fun where where you know Osprey says, "Hey, hit me, you motherfucker," or whatever it was, and and Kushida hits him, and then the crowd boos, and Kushida kind of looks at the crowd and just goes, "Ah, whatever," and keeps hitting Osprey. I love him because has that little element to him where where you know he's supposed to be this happy-go-lucky good, you know, goody two-shoes guy. But like when when someone you know fucks with him like he did with Hiromu, you, you know, and got those boos, you know, last year we talked about, he can be a little bastard too. And I like that that he can he can still sort of do that and say, oh, no, 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 I'm fuck that. This guy's being an asshole. I'm gonna beat his ass, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna beat him up. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it where because she was kind of playing to the crowd and, and, and doing so well at beating Osprey up and, and really working him. But I thought that the finish, in one sense, yeah, I'm with you, where if, if I was if I was coming at it from the hey. I would have graded this higher if there was a bunch more kickouts and they had a bit, a little bit more of an epic match. I do agree with that part, but I like the story where Osprey just won and it was like, oh, Osprey is just better on this night. Osprey is just the champ. 
and Kushida's just a step behind him right now. And I kind of like that. You, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, from yeah. I, I absolutely 100% get your. If, if I'm strictly going from a star rating standpoint, I'm a star, I agree. It should have been a little bit more back and forth, but I didn't mind the finish because I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool story that Osprey just showed. Hey, you know, you beat me down. My neck's fucked. You did everything you could, but I still beat you. You know, it took only one, you know, move that I forget. I, Again, I don't know what the, he's calling the new move. Do you, do you know, Joe? I'm asking the wrong uh, You're asking me. Whatever. The new move. The new Osprey move. I don't even, I'm not going to look it up because I'm in a rant right now. And I'm another page right now. That move, they're sort of putting that over too, that that's kind of a killer move. And that's sort of the entire match. And, and, and I know Kevin Kelly was putting that over too, that, hey, that's his new move that he's working. And every time he hits it, guys aren't kicking out from that. So I enjoyed that, that he hit that. Actually, didn't kick out. He sort of established that move. If he gets it on you, it can be that one sort of move and you're done thing. So so I enjoyed it from that standpoint. So kind of the conclusion that the story I liked, but a match rating standpoint, I'd agree. I probably have would have gone four and three quarters of it if it had been a little bit more back and forth. But I, I'm still left at you know four, four and a half, you know, somewhere in between there for the match. And and I thought the story that it, they told was pretty good. What I really did want to talk about though is and we're gonna talk about the main event here in a second, this epic, you know, feud and epic, you know, series of matches between these two guys. When are we going to start talking about the epic, you know, collection of matches that Kushida and Osprey have had? I don't think we realize how many times they fought. So the first, you know, obviously invasion attack, 2016. We have Dominion last year or two years ago, Dominion, um, 2016. Uh, the best of the Super Junior Finals, uh, 2017. Yep. Uh, awesome. Pro wrestling, yeah, that match is probably the best of the entire series. Uh, you can add the Defiant match, the 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 what cultural pro wrestling one. I know you and I both enjoyed that one. I don't know if everybody else did. That's kind of non-canon, so we'll kind of even though it wasn't necessarily non-canon, they kind of played no, up. They a lot worked of stuff. it into the canon. I agree. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Like I would consider it canon, but if someone, if you want to, you can kind of scrape that up or whatever. No problem. Yeah. But then you have obviously the King of Pro Wrestling um, last year, the end of last year, where where Osprey wins the title, and now this one. I mean, that's yeah. a fucking great collection of matches right there. I think we're gonna have to go back and watch some of those because I think we're kind of forgetting how great the series has been. Hey, not me. I'll take it a step further. It's interesting. I didn't know you were going to bring that up, but you're absolutely right about their great series of matches. Here's something you didn't know I was going to bring up, and this is something for the listeners to think about. This Will Ospreay Jr. title run with the Hiromu match at New Beginning, the the Marty Skrull match at Sakura Genesis, and now this Kushida match is well on its way to being potentially one of the I think it's already one of the greatest IWGP junior title runs of all time it could end up being the best if he has a couple more Matt what I mean you have to go back to like the glory days of this title to find a title run as good as this one I mean it's only three matches you know I'd like to see another killer but you're gonna see at least one more because he's got to lose the thing I mean, this title run is those are three incredible matches. Yeah. Not great, incredible matches. I'm looking back at, at Kushida's run in uh, 2016, and there's some good stuff in there, but not like you said, the incredible ones. Like they had a match with um with Jushin Thunder Liger. I don't know, do you remember that one? Don't Taku 2016. That was really good, but not like incredible. You know, you know, it was just really, really good. Uh, there's two Osprey matches in there that are pretty good. There's an ACH match uh, in ROH that was pretty solid. Bushi, like there's good stuff in that, but yeah, it's it's not to that level quite yet. So I'm I'm gonna go back if, a little bit farther and see if any other ones pop up. But I think if yeah, you're, we're, well, we're, if you're talking if you're talking recent vintage, the Hiromu run, Dragon Lee. A new beginning to Gucci, uh, uh, Kushida, Ricochet, and then he lost it to Kushida. I mean, that's probably of of modern vintage the pole setter. Um, because you need a combination of things. You need a ser- you need at least three defenses, at right. least, and then you need all the matches to be great. And all of these Osprey matches have been great. I mean, he, he's on you know a, a super hot run here. 
So I really think you'd have to go back to some of, you know, you'd have to go before the Tiger Mask 4 era because when he dominated the title, there was really nothing to speak of. He was a terrible champion. Um, and he would lose the title intermittently to people, um, you know, whether it was Mystico or like fucking Black Tiger. I, I Black or Tiger had to run for a while. Or low key, like, you know, it's like, but you'd have to Jano, go. Back. Jano had to run in there at some point too. <laughs> like it was, yeah. You got to go back to like the 80s or the 90s, I think, uh, to really reinvestigate some of those runs. But recent vintage, I, you know, it's it's the Hiromu and then the, this Osprey run, which could which can surpass it if it hasn't already. I mean, we really yeah, have I'm to start a talking few other about ones. One that's that. one that's maybe a little close is Kotobushi uh, in 2014, early 2014, uh, after we won it from Devitt. The Devitt run was a long time, but I don't know. You know, there was a lot of good stuff in that Devitt run, but I don't know that I think of it as like at this level. No, I don't, God, I don't, no, yeah, no, God, I know. no. No, no way. And then that Kotobushi one's got some good stuff. It's the one uh, he he beat Devitt at uh, Wrestle Kingdom and then kind of kept it for um, uh, throughout the year. That had some good stuff in there, too. He lost to, to Kushida. But uh, yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. There's there's good stuff in there. But no, nah, man, we're, we're on a We're in rare right now, for sure. We're, we're comparing good title reigns to all time. Great. This is an yeah, all time right, great right. title reign. It, is, it just is. You know, I mean, even people who don't like Will are loving these matches. Yeah, and the Kenny Omega's runs, like I could see people being like, "Ah, those," but like, no, they weren't that good. <laughs> oh that's, no, 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 no. That's when Kenny was the most recent one, no way. Stuff on people's ass and and chainsawing people. Like it yeah, was no it was some of those. Ma- yeah, no, 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 no. Wrong, absolutely wrong. Not right, not correct. Um, so yeah, you know that these are things we have to start thinking about. So, um, you know that that series of matches you're talking about with Kushida and the fact that this is an all time classic reign. So, um, but now. The main event of both of the shows, the Okada Tanahashi match, which, um, you know, I, I guess I'll lead off and then hand it off to you for expanded thoughts, but just some quick hitters from me. Um, number one, what I liked about this if pro wrestling were a shoot, if New Japan was a shoot, I think this, and you can tell me where you stand on this, I think this would have been the very first match in the series where Okada was the betting line favorite from a kayfabe perspective. It felt like the first time he was the man. Even the other matches where he was champion, the G1, the latest G1 draw, at best, I think they were pickums from a kayfabe perspective. This was the first one where Okada felt like he was minus 250. You know what I mean? Like a firm favorite in the match, a betting line favorite from a kayfabe perspective. And I thought that gave this a different feel than the others. The other thing about this match, and I want to expand on it after you talk about it on this thought, is it's a match where if you're going to enjoy it to its fullest, you had to have seen the rest of the series. And I will give you the floor. I I think to your points, the first point, and I wrote that exactly in my preview, is that this was the first time that Okada came in as the confident champion. In kayfabe standpoint, he knew he was going to win this match. You know, this is like, I got this one. There was always the, sh- the little bit of a doubt, no matter what, no matter how many times yeah. he beat him. Even if he had won two in a row at that point, there was always that doubt. And, and the doubt was, you know, it, he went to the time limit with him. And that was sort of played into that where, where Okada was like, yeah, yeah, I'm Okada. I'm the Rainmaker. I'm this or whatever. But man, Tanashi took me to a fucking draw. Like he almost got me on that one. And the other ones, like even when Okada won, it was like he got by the skin of his teeth. Like he just barely got there. 
and it always felt like Tanahashi still had his number. This is the one where it was Tanahashi was the old man, the out of touch guy, the guy that doesn't have it anymore, the guy trying to grab on every last little wrinkle of his of his his old ace dumb or whatever. And then there's the guy that's the man and that knew he was going to win this match, that knew he was dominant, knew he was the guy. So no, I, I 100% agree with that. That's why I wrote that. In, you know, in a kayfabe standpoint, it absolutely was the first time when Okada came in as the confident, definite winner of the match the favorite of the match for sure so that that was definitely there too and i kind of agree with your second point too and that's it's it, it's been weird and when talking with this match and and i was discussing with someone the, the other day and i was saying you know this is one of those ones that i love this match i really 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 love it but i would never if i had a friend ask me hey what's a good great match in this year I wouldn't recommend it because I don't know that you're going to get the same experience if you didn't watch all the other ones. If you didn't know the story, you're not going to understand the significance of a tombstone pile driver on the outside. You're not going to understand the significance of Tanahashi slapping Okada and Okada letting go of the wrist. You're not going to understand the significance of, of Tanahashi going for a high five flow, like right at the 30 minute mark, like shit like that. That's just not that only like the really hardcores, only the people that really study this stuff, only the people we have a great column on our, on our site right now by Joel Abraham, who's, who's open to hosting the new uh, super J cast that does a great job sort of breaking that down and sort of, allude, and we we've done that almost through all the Okada Tanahashi matches. The fun part about our website, a bunch of people will pop up and say, Hey, I want to write about this series. And, and those guys, they all know it. They understand it. They get the, the symbolism of a lot of these things, the symbolism of, of Tanahashi similar to Naito at Wrestle Kingdom going for one too many moves. And it's like, you got it, man. Just do it. Just beat him. You don't have to, you don't have to show him up. You can just beat him. But like people want to show caught up. So it's that one little bit, just those little things like in a vacuum, if you don't understand those, you might still like this match on a, in, in a vacuum. You might still like that this match a lot, but I don't think you're going to love it to the extent that you and I do. I don't think you're going to love it to the extent that a lot of the people that we talked you know, to do. You're not going to love it to the extent that people that write the Joel Abrahams, the Andrew Riches, those guys that write for our sites and, and, and do great stuff uh, in, in terms of breaking down this feud you're not going to love it on their level unless you've watched all the other ones or at least have a very distinct knowledge of the other ones if you just kind of parachute in this match i don't know that you're going to love it on that same level and what i liked about this one too is it wasn't an epic bomb throwing one we've seen those before we saw the the everybody's throwing their best at them they're hitting a bunch of moves they're kicking out this was not that this was more methodical this was more slow this was more tanahashi trying to slow things down to his pace and i think you might on, a, on you know from the outside go ah Jesus well this you know I, I hear all this stuff and this, this wasn't like awesome this isn't incredible this isn't an epic but for us the people that really know the story it was an epic because it was a great conclusion of the match it was they were playing the greatest hits they were hitting every one of the greatest hits they were doing all the callbacks there was all this sort of thing so it's weird in the in in, in how we're kind of discussing I think most people watching or listening to the show are going to like it on the same level we did. But it's one of those weird ones where in a vacuum, I don't know that it was like, I don't think it was one of their best. I think it was maybe, you know, if I had to shuffle them all up and watch them in random, I don't know that this one would, would grade out very well. It'd probably grade out in the bottom half, but it being the conclusion, it being the 10th match or whatever, it works so perfect for that. So it's, it's weird in that sense. I, I don't know exactly how to sort of analyze it from that standpoint. What, what, what do you think about that? It was a really good match, but, it was clearly enhanced if you watched all the others because there were callbacks and there were callbacks of callbacks in this match. I mean, they, this was incredibly layered and, it, and, and there were subtle things that it's like, okay, it only took one rainmaker. Do you know the fucking heavy symbolism behind right. that? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it only took one shot to kill Tanahashi this time. That's it. It's over. Just the rivalry is done. That's how easy it was. As someone else had pointed out, 
Last time was the 30-minute G1 draw where Tanahashi hit the high fly flow at like 29.98 and only got a two count. And Okada kicked out like after the three count. And it's like, it's like we talked about before. This is finally Okada was the firm favorite. Even in that match, it's like Tanahashi took him to the draw. Right at the 30-minute mark of this match, they did that same spot again, yeah. except this time oh Okada got the knees the up. The timing. How do you do that? How do you even think of that? I would never. I would go into the match thinking that and then just fucking forget it. You know, <laughs> like, how do you even, that's how these dudes are so good. So who if you're ever just think of that, who would ever well, think of that? Who, Tanahashi, he's a fucking genius. <laughs> I know he's a goddamn so, genius to, to hit that too. To not say, Hey, around 30, let's do that. But it's like at 30, you hit so. your time mark. And it's God. like, if you're just some wrestling fan popping in to see what all the fuss is about, you're not picking up on this stuff. We're yeah. not even picking up on all this stuff. You know, the wrist clutch, the long wrist clutch, which played off of two or three of their other matches, but then it only takes the one Rainmaker to finish him. Well, the wrist you know, clutch like, actually just slaps the fuck out of him and he drops it. And it's like, oh, you know, everybody's been trying to figure out how to get Okada to drop it. And Tanahashi just slaps the fuck out of him. Like, you yeah. fucking little prick. Like, <laughs> Even the opening spot of the match where Okada did the cocky, uh, you know, uh, chest bump on the rope break and Tanahashi went for that slap that he hit him with one other time. And this time Okada got out. It's like all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's going to be lost on you if you didn't watch the other, uh, you know, seven or eight, whatever it was. I lose track now matches. So to me, even though in a vacuum, just from a technical sense, it was just a really good wrestling match. When you add in all of those callbacks and all of all of the all of the history and it was so thick with that. And when you and when you add in it, it was the conclusion of the greatest wrestling rivalry of all of this era that any of us are probably ever going to experience. When you add all of that in, it took it to a lo- another level and made it a great match. Okay. Was it a five-star match? To me, it was not. I went four and a half on this. Um, I, I do have a bit of a rant. Dave Meltzer went five and a half stars on this. And ever since Dave Meltzer, you know, went six stars on the Okada match or whatever, and then, you know, he's going six and a half, six and a quarter, five and a half on this. I, you know, it, it's, it, we've never really gotten involved in that stuff because it's like it's one man's opinion. Who gives a because fuck? Because I'd rather literally do anything in the world and <laughs> discuss Dave Meltzer's opinion about a match. Like I'm going to tell it, you. But I don't care. He thought it was five. Who gives a shit? Like, with all of that said, I'm going to complain about this one. I'm going to tell you why and what, okay. from what angle I'm coming from. He gives this match five and a half stars. Okay. He breaks his scale again. The problem with that is not – I don't have a problem with Dave's opinion that – this match, he probably loved it for all the reasons that we just talked about. Because this is a guy who also has seen all the matches in the series and has bought into the story and and and, lo- and you know loves these two guys and what they've done. The problem is, and this is why people get annoyed with Dave's six star ratings. And I've only always understood why, and I'm gonna you know explain why this one bothers me. Like it or not, like Dave or not, whether Dave accepts it or not, he is the you know he's essentially the authority when it comes to these things he is the accepted word on 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 these things uh when it comes to rating matches and 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 the thing about it is a hundred years from now rich a hundred years from now when we're all dead and gone people are still going to look back on Meltzer's ratings and 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 use them as a guide and those sorts of things and they're going to look at this five and a half star rating for this match and they're going to think well that must have been the best one. Right. I'm going to watch that one. And that totally misses the point of why this match, why he went five and a half on this match for all of the reasons we just talked about. This was not a better wrestling match 
than invasion attack the arm match. No, and that's that's the one I think you and I are both still. Yeah, I think that's the one we still both put put above. I, I think most people do too. That that to it, me is the, the crown jewel. It, that one. It was not a better match than that. It was not a better match than at least two of the Wrestle Kingdom matches. It was not a better match than the G One draw. It was you know this was probably like you're saying bottom half from just a technical mechanical standpoint of a wrestling match. This is bottom half. Um, I haven't watched the new beginning one in a long time. Uh, you know, the, the first match, I, you know, I, it, you know, if it's, it, it's, it, it maybe even bottom third or bottom quarter, this, but when you factor in the rest, it does bump it up, but this is not a match. What annoys me about Dave's rating is, is 20 years from now, 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, people are going to look at this one. Like it was the pinnacle of the series and you're, it's going to be completely lost on you without watching the other seven or eight first. And, and that's why his, his rating is very annoying in this case. Um, now, am I saying he shouldn't have given it five and a half? No, he could give it whatever the fuck he wants. But it is unfortunate that that's going to skew people's, you know, vision of this, of, of these series of matches, you know, many years later who didn't live through it. Anyone who didn't live through the series, you know, it, it, it's going to give them an unfair, it, it, it's unfair to just parachute in on that last match. It's right, if this one this... was also five stars, people would probably say, okay, well, there's not one that stands above, so I'll just watch right. the, all the five-star one, ones or whatever. And that's that's probably right. an okay way to do it. It's okay to watch. You know, I forget how many he has at, at five stars for those, but it's probably better to watch five of them as opposed to being like, all right, well, this one is so much farther better than everyone, you know, 10 years from now, like you're saying, 15 years from now, that they're going to watch that one, that you're going to go, okay, because because there's, you know, I, when I first was getting into, into pro, like I would, there was, you know, playlists on youtube of dave Meltzer five-star all japan matches and i watched those and i said okay but there may and so that's always like you said it's a guide for some people and that one's going to be dave gives this okada tanahashi match five and a half this is you know statistically better than all those others and it's just like you i just think it's not one that's gonna it, it there's there's just yeah like you said the, the rating is because of what came before it not in a vacuum. Right. If you just drop in, you parachute in the term you like to use for this match, you're not going to feel the same thing that we're feeling from it. You're going to wonder, I don't get the big deal. You know, kind of hits one rainmaker. It's over those other matches. These dudes are killing themselves. And the, every second is important. This one, every second wasn't important. Every movement was important, but it wasn't like this. Oh my God, what's going to happen next match. It was more of a, you know, how are they going to kind of play up to the story? How are they going to, what greatest hits are they going to sort of play? And that, that's different for if you're watching it in context versus if you're watching it just out of nowhere. Some of, some of the other matches are just great, uh, you know, uh, like visual experiences, even if you don't, don't understand the story because they're just such, you know, they're, they're just visceral things. This one isn't that. The emotion plays just as much a part as the work in this one. And, and, and that's where that'll sort of get lost. Like historically, voices, Dave is the voice of record and historically, that's what's going to be lost here. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, the rating is disappointing and, and, and I don't know if unfair is the right word, but, um, you know, it just doesn't work in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah. It puts a weird burden on this match now, you know, you know I mean? This match now has to stand above it and it's, 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 you know, that's, that's not fair. Cause it's, it's just, it's not. And it, it really, you should never just watch this match on its own. With no, no, you know, if, if you're a it, random fan, if I'm a casual fan and I'm saying, hey, I've heard a whole lot about this Okada Tanashi, which one should I watch? I would never in a million years recommend this one because you're just yeah, not going to get even, it on the same level. I, I don't even know a good comparison. It'd be, it'd be like watching the Flare Steamboat out of order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, exactly. it's, it's. No, it'd be exactly that. There's still great matches, but you, you lose something if you watch them out of order. Even Rock Rock Stone Cold is one that, like, if you watch the last one that they had at WrestleMania 19 or whatever, 
it's not because every that match is so important because of what came before it. That's right. like, oh yeah, I mean, it's very good on its face, but like you're gonna appreciate it a lot more having seen 15, having seen the the you know the struggles they went through in in, in different years and whatnot. So it's just not gonna have that same level, you know, that same sort of attachment to you, and that's and that's important. The, the Kenta Nakajima feud in 2009, where they're doing counters of the counters from the other match. You have to watch them in order. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know that didn't reach the emotional heights that this feud reached, obviously. Um. So yeah, that that's that's where when he does these troll ratings, it 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 can be bothersome. Like it doesn't bother me in the moment, but it does bother me like f- for the history aspect. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's just something that irked me a little bit. No, I'm with you on that. I, I'm I'm with you for sure. And 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 I think you know we always talk about you know if, if the, the optics. I think that was a good point that you brought up of the optics of the other matches. This one, what was interesting too is that you have Okada getting just booed by the crowd the crowd wants Tanahashi the crowd understands that this is his last chance they know what they're seeing if you kind of jumped into that you'd probably wonder okay well I've heard all about this Okada guy he's the star the the commentary is talking about how he's the champion and whatnot and everyone's kind of booing him and and, all, and I, again like you wouldn't you don't know the the, the whole entire story and we're, you know, we're not trying to be like gatekeepers or anything like that I'm just saying watch more wrestling I'm not being a gatekeeper at all I'm saying watch a ton of it it's just it is gonna this is not a gatekeeper. listen we're not gatekeeping Dave Meltzer it's ridiculous. It's it, it's just it, this is not a gatekeeping issue at all. It's just the match doesn't work at that level on its own. That's right, all. and you shouldn't watch it just by itself. You should watch it in context of some of the other stuff because you're going to appreciate it so much more than, than you would. Yeah, just normal. I mean, you could do whatever you want, but you'll appreciate it more if you watch it in order. Yes, that's for sure. Um, any anything else that really stood out to you about this match? I mean, just incredible stuff. Um, I I was stunned when I read that it went 34, 35 minutes. Yeah, I, I thought it was like you know it it felt like. 15 those guys just get you in a zone and you're just ready to go and i i don't know i hear people complain all the time about all these epic new japan matches this was the most breezy 35 minutes i have ever watched a wrestling match did you think it was 35 minutes long do you think 35 minutes your life passed watching this it it was no it was just it was a tremendous watch from start to finish just a great pro wrestling match it was emotional it paid off everything that that we've been watching all of these years and um i will remember this as you know, the greatest pro wrestling rivalry of my life. And, uh, for, you know, that's more than likely. I, I guess w- one thing I should ask, and, and, and do you do you care that it's only took the one Rainmaker? Because I thought that was perfect. I thought, no, it's you, perfect. you know, oh, no, yeah, without it, question. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm with, I'm with you on that. I thought that was, I was, when he hit it, I was like, please be the finish. Cause that'd be just be the perfect way where finally, after all these years, all these struggles, Okada just does it. He just gets them. And it's over. And I thought that was great. I did not want Tanashi to kick out right there. It was the one time where I didn't watch the match. I didn't want the match to go on any longer. I said, nope, that is perfect. Please pin him. And he did. And I was like, yep, that is exactly the way it should have been. And I could see people that would say, oh, I, I would like a little bit more. I'd like, But no, I don't think Tanashi needed it anymore. This is a definitive. Tanashi is not the ace anymore. He can cr- say he is. He can do the air guitars. He can have go ace. But this is Okada's house now. And he slayed the beast. And this is his company now. That's it. That's the story. That's yeah. the story. One one kill shot, you're done. That's it. That's the story. That's it. Otherwise, the story's not over. Brilliant. The whole thing was brilliant from start to finish. Just fucking brilliant. It's really all there is to say. Oh, good stuff. All right. Um, anything else on Dontaku before we kind of move into some other uh, interesting stuff that happened? No, we'll do Dominion. So okay, well, actually, let's talk about uh, Taiji Shimori. We forgot to mention oh, after. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do that. So uh, after, yeah, after uh, Will Ospreay defeated Kushida, they uh, played the Bone Soldier music. 
Uh, Tamatonga walked down very slowly to the ring, got on the mic, and started blabbering about nonsense for a little while. And then uh, Bone Soldier appeared, and Bone Soldier had a six pack. And Bone Soldier appeared to be uh, much more in shape than the former Captain New Japan. And uh, he revealed himself to be Taiji Chimori. And Tamatonga talked about his abs for like five minutes, which was fantastic. But um, we had kind of speculated that Ishimori would be a guy that, that would be in contention here. I don't know that. He was, was he the best guess? I don't know. I, I think there was, I heard his name a lot, but I don't know that he was a definitive, oh, it's definitely going to be Taiji Chimori. I, I don't know who I thought it was going to be for sure. He was the most frequent guest. I mean, it's not like, like this shocked people. No, but, no, it wasn't shocking on any level. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the more interesting thing to me is, I mean. How he, he got there. <laughs> how he got there. I mean, he's going to win Super Juniors, right? I mean, I already did the angle with Osprey. Yeah, I think so. I thought I saw some people say, "Oh, he's you know looking at the match structure that he's in and thinking, oh, he's gonna, no, dude, they're gonna push this guy to the fucking moon.' Are you kidding? He like he's not gonna come in, reveal himself, you know, beat up Osprey and then just like lose in the Super Juniors. Like he's winning this thing for sure, right? I mean, I I mean, I'm not. I think we're just out thinking ourselves if we're saying he isn't. I mean, why else would he lay the guy out? And because then what do you do? Then someone else wins and gets the title shot. I don't understand. You know, so. Um, I would think that he'd have to be the favorite, you know, I don't know if I'd stake my life on it, but, but yeah, how he got there is the interesting part. I mean, he basically fucking dicked over Noah uh, <laughs> big time. I mean, he sleezed his way out of there. I mean, he told Noah that he wanted to explore his worldwide options and get noticed by WWE. He named them by name and he thought that going to impact was his best way to break through in America and potentially get noticed by WWE. Then he worked Impact for a little while and fucking showed up in New Japan instead yep. of doing the straight jump, which would be frowned upon, um, which is incredible that he pulled that off. And, um, you know, he's not done with with Impact, which was also shocking to me. We were told uh, through a source that he is booked for Slammiversary and he is booked for uh, a show in Toronto. Um, he's not going to do the next couple shows because that's during Super Juniors, but but he is booked after that. So he's going to, that's, that's crazy too. He's going to keep working with a Noah promotional partner while he works for new Japan. And there's a ton of heat between Noah and new Japan. Now that's insane. I mean, this guy's the ultimate worker. I mean, he really is. I mean, that, that that's just, you know, that's, that's working to the full tilt. And it's a hell of a work. And it, it it's, it's, you know, and we, the, the one name that kind of comes up, and I don't know that this was necessarily that, but it might have been is Sonata. You know, yeah. leaves Wrestle One. I'm going to America to pursue opportunities, and and nothing kind of happens. He does Global Force. He does, you know, some random indie shots. I see him in fucking LaSalle, Illinois, and then he pops up in spiky hair, and he's ready to go in New Japan. And it was, and, and for people that don't kind of understand, is the idea of just bouncing from one Japanese company to another is very much frowned upon. It's just, you, you don't yeah. do that. You don't do it in, in, in any level of business. It's like when you're, when you're at whatever company it is that you, you kind of come up through the, it's understood that you kind of stay with that company forever. That's your job for life. You're, you're, you're loyal to that company. You're loyal to those people. You're loyal to, to the people that kind of got you there or, or, or helped you or whatever. So the straight, like you can't, you know, tell no one to go fuck off and then just join new Japan. That'd be very much frowned upon. <laughs> very, I mean, very. You- you can you jump, you can jump, but it'll be frowned upon and you'll get heat with people. Right. The, the bridge is burnt completely. You, you light that bridge on fire. Or you can get bl- their blessing into it. I mean, that's right. the, but it's just different when it comes to that. The interesting thing is, is uh, Jai, the, who, who runs the uh, iHeart Dragon Gate site, had an interesting series of tweets today. If you recall, Rich, Taiji Ishimori was the um, intended ace of the short lived Dragon Door promotion. And it was built around. 
Ishimori, well, I mean, they only had about like six shows, but he was supposed to be, you know, their their big baby face ace. And uh, Jai had this to say. I'm going to read his tweets verbatim. And I quote, this Ishimori deal is also hilarious because he joined Noah in a similarly shady way. He committed to El Dorado after Dragon Door ended, but also negotiated with Noah during the interim and then bailed on them. Both cases were greatly to his own benefit, though, so I can't hate it. He said that uh, he was there for the first two El Dorado shows, and the home army was going to be him, Kota Ibushi, and El Blazer. Uh, and they were going to feud with uh, you know these two other uh, factions. And uh, he told them he was leaving right before the second show. So this is not the first time that Taiji Ishimori uh, bailed on one company under somewhat shady circumstances to jump to a bigger one. Because when he went to Noah, Noah was the fucking shit at right, that point yeah. in time. Uh, they were really on fire and he went and he did all sorts of things with Kenta and Marafuji and, um, you know, he was in Noah for 12 years. So, um, he's like that cheater, the guy that cheats on his girlfriend to go with you. It's like, yeah, he's probably gonna cheat on you too. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you're not, yeah. you're not yeah. special. <laughs> Eddie, you know, if, if he's cheated before, he'll probably cheat again. Like it's not a one-time thing probably, but, uh, uh, yeah, just kind of a little bit, a bit of background. So people kind of know the, the, the sort of the timeline of, of, of Ishimori. So obviously, like you said, he's been in Noah for quite a while after, after the, the Dragon Door and El Dorado stuff happened, uh, comes in, you know, it got a little dicey there. He does stuff with global force wrestling, kind of comes to America. does some shots here with, you know, global force and TNA or whatnot. Uh, March 12th, 2018, he officially announced his departure for Wrestling Noah. So he ended his 12 year tenure uh, with the company. Uh, Chris Charlton, our, our good friend on, on Twitter, kind of translated one of the promos. I think, uh, I think he put it on Instagram. I forget where, where it was exactly. Uh, and he said, This is Ishimori. This is what he told Tokyo Sports. Lots of Japanese wrestlers are active internationally right now. I want to be among them. For Taiji Ishimori to appeal on a global scale, I'm open to offers at home and abroad and then he also sold told uh, yahoo japan this is a little bit longer it is not possible to fight individually with the front line in the current fight style for 10 years I, this is a lot of you know junk here but um and noah uh, G- you know did it i won the title whatnot whatever he says <laughs> get to the the real meat of it he says in addition it was said that he was also inspired by mr shinsuke nakamura of wv uh with friends you know, Hideo Itami, of course, former friends with him, uh, Kota Ibushi, other guys that went overseas. And he says, as a quote, as a freelancer in the future, as Japanese people are active all over the world, I want to keep trying to line up there. WWE is the goal. The translation was WWE is the goal. So the idea was he goes, you know, abroad, you know, he goes to, to Impact to hopefully get recognized to somebody to sort of realize what's going on here. And that's it. And then he appears here you know the bone soldier things come up a lot of people speculate that it might be him because he's sort of floating around in nothing land or whatever and then boom here he is so it's 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 kind of a weird thing so he used he essentially leaves noah says he wants to go to wwe he wants to explore opportunities abroad shows up in impact who we already had a relationship and he already kind of done some stuff with starts doing a little bit more with impact with the idea that you know this is a thing now he lives he's going to try to stay in america and, and get make it work and then he just pops up in new japan and now he's just a new japan guy so it, it appears as though he used WWE as a red herring to escape Noah. Right. That's what it looks like. So um, very slick. And who knows how, how long ago he cut that deal. I mean, cause he worked that one tour with ACH in new Japan, uh, the, the junior uh, tag tournament deal, you know, maybe they made some sleazy deal back then. you know, who knows, but um, he is bone. So he is Taiji is from where they're not calling him bone soldier. Um, they introduced him as Taiji Ishimori. So Tama right, when he took the mask off, he said Taiji Ishimori. So I don't know if it's gonna be Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori, or I don't know if that's gonna be the secondary part of the name or whatnot. But yeah, it's 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 definitely not your grandfather. You're not your father's Bone Soldier here. This is a new 
thing and, and whatever it was in the back, you know, the old hero site that that's long gone or Hideo Saito, I should say. Hideo Saito. Uh, that, that's crowd, long gone. The crowd knew who he was because they gasped on oh, the fucking abs. Come on. <laughs> I think they, they do. It was fun that they waited for him to take the mask off. Like, I don't know who didn't know that that was Taiji Shimori. <laughs> like, I guess I'm more of a fan of his abs than maybe more people are. Uh, Tamatonga obviously is, but that they waited for the mask to come off and then it was a big pop well, right away. Well, you know, in Japan, I mean, when those bone soldier is coming, things would come on. The, the crowds would laugh. So I don't know that the Japanese fans, even the Japanese smarks, are, well, are, are as much up on these rumors that we are in terms yeah, well, of no, I mean, when he was in the ring, so, he's standing in the ring with the mask on, and you could yeah. tell that it's like a super in-shape dude. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I, you know, it's not, you know, someone, it's obviously not, you know, the former captain of Japan. It's obviously a new man. But I guess, yeah, I guess maybe it's hard to see or whatever. But I, I just thought it was cool. He takes the mask off and a huge pop right away. Uh, for him there, and that was cool. And then, yeah, he, he does. You know, Tamatanga puts him over and beats up Osprey, and, and you're ready to go. So now you got another man, and and I think you tweeted it out too. I mean, that that junior division is not fair because Ishimori fucking rocks. It's not fair. I mean, this junior division is so fucking loaded. They do laps around everybody. I mean, WWE Kushida's like the fourth guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's awesome. Like Kushida's one of the most underrated wrestlers in the in the world, and like he's just a, you know one of many guys on this. It, it's nuts. It's nuts. Aside from the 205 Live roster, which I don't, you know, I, I guess we go guy for guy on another show. No other junior roster in the world is even within a fucking, within a fucking light year. It's just so loaded, it's unfair. I mean, you, you look at the super juniors, it's a good segue, I guess. Um, we're still stuck with Tiger Mask for another year. And then you've got ACH, Flip Gordon. Uh, Flip Gordon making his Super Juniors debut. ACH had done one before. Willow Spray, who we talked about. Yo is back. Um, uh, Ishimori, we just talked about. Yoshinobu Kanemaru, who's like the 11th best guy, and he's fucking awesome. And uh, and Bushi. And then the B block, you've got Kushida, Ryusuke Taguchi, who always has two or three great matches in Super Juniors. Chris Sabin, which kind of caught people off guard. I think he's going to have a great tournament because I think he's going to be motivated. Dragon Lee is back. Uh, he's a part-timer anyway. Marty Skrull, uh, Desperado, Hiromu Takahashi, and Sho. I mean, geez. I mean, you get Sho and Yo in the mix. They're going to have great singles matches. It's just loaded top to bottom. The only guy you really don't care about is like Tiger Mask. Uh, Flip Gordon's got a major opportunity. And I didn't even notice this the first time around. I've been screaming about a uh, Hiromu Desperado match for how long? And I'm finally going to get it. They've Too never long. had a single <laughs> Now match. you finally get it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a quirky main event too, right? I don't know the answer to that. I okay, haven't I'm seen not sure. I thought I thought I saw that, but I, I, I don't. Yeah, I can't. I mean, no, he, they're feuding with each other to begin with, and they finally put them in the same block. I've been begging for this singles match. They've never done it before. I, it wouldn't shock me if it's Cork in main event. Hey, there's no way it could live up to my expectations now because I'm, I'm just dying to see this fucking match because I think the dynamic between them is just going to be fucking insane because they're both mental. They're both crazy people. Uh, and especially if I hope they're in a main event. Because they're going to go balls to the wall. I cannot wait for Desperado uh, Hiromu. Um, there's just so many matches here. I mean, you, you, you look, I don't even know where to start. I mean, Willow Spray ACH. Willow Spray Taiji Ishimori. Uh, you know, Yohei Komatsu versus Willow Spray. Yohei Komatsu versus Ishimori. Uh, Sho Tanaka. Sho Tanaka is going to kill it in this tournament against guys like Kushida and Dragon Lee and Hiromu. I mean, I can't, I don't even know where to start. Like, What's going to be awesome, think about Kushida and Chris Sabin too. Like, that's a match that's not going to be, you know, anything like, you know, Flip Gordon versus Ishimori, you know what I mean? But it's going to be like those two dudes, like a technical fucking masterpiece with those guys working each other over and stuff. And then also they can fly and stuff.
stuff. I think what, what's cool too is uh, if you look at who who's out this year. The, the, Dave put this in the Observer this year, uh, this week. But that was really good. So out from last year's best of the Super Junior, just kind of give you an idea. And last year's Super Junior was fucking awesome. Like that was, was incredible. Probably yes. the best one they've ever had. I mean, as long as I've been watching it, it was far and away the best one they've ever had. So who, here's who was out from last year's tournament. You have Ricochet, Taka, Juicen Liger, Taichi, Volador Jr. Here's who's in. Flip Gordon, Sho, Yo, Taiji Shimori, and Chris Saban. I would say that is a hell of an upgrade. Obviously, you lose Ricochet. That stinks. I know there's the Taichi people, but I'm going to take Sho and Yo over Taichi. Oh, and I like Volador. I mean, come on. Like, Saban, Sho, Yo. And Flip, like, what, whether you love Flip or not, he, this is the ideal thing for him. Yeah, he's gonna bring the flips. Like, you know what I mean? Him and fucking ACH. That'd be cool. Like, it's a big opportunity, and he's in yeah. there with great work. So it's a big opportunity for Flip. I don't know how he's gonna do. Can you imagine um, Kanemura versus Flip? Oh, the hatred in that match. Oh my god, I, Tiger Mask Flip. I, you know, might not like Tiger Mask, but he is gonna slap the fuck out of Flip Gordon. He's gonna be so goddamn grumpy on that night, and I cannot wait for that. I, I think Will Ospreay is gonna have a great match with Flip Gordon. Um, you know, I, I like the B block a little better, a little better. Um, you know, because Tiger Mask really drags down. But the that B block, that B block's incredible. There's not a single matchup I'm going through right now. I'm trying to think of the my yeah, least if, favorite B block matchup. Well, that's the thing. If you if you like Taguchi, there's no right. My worst one's probably Taguchi and Saban, and that I mean, you know what I mean. Like, I could see Taguchi and Skrull being real. Being oh, a lot of that's comedy. a lot of butt play. Yeah, that's, that's a lot a, of butt. That's a comedy match. That's a lot um, of butt, but that's all right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's yeah. This is going to be great, and I think I it just. I mean, Taiji Ishimori, he's in the same block as Osprey, so I mean that might throw a wrinkle in the idea that he's going to win because he could always beat Osprey and and continue. But it seems seems weird that he attacked him, and then he wouldn't win. So maybe he beats Will and then also wins the tournament, which is possible too. I guess um, you know, I, you know, it'd probably be. Kushida again coming out of the other block. Um, yeah, but I, mean, I, I guess it's possible. Know. I guess what you can do is uh, Ishimori beats Osprey, but doesn't ultimately win the block or doesn't win. The, maybe gets to the finals and loses. This. But but you know why why do that? Just come uh, on, you got the guy. Gotta look, you got him. Like gotta look at the cards and see what they got planned on the last couple nights. That usually you know clues you in on it. Mm-hmm. And we we haven't done that yet. We'll do it at some point. But we were just going to go over to blocks here, so there might be people screaming at their phones. I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure we got mentions already. But yeah, we'll do it next week. We'll break down the, the, the exact matches and, and the cards, and then we'll have a pretty good idea. Yeah. So then uh, let's look at what we've got stacked up for Dominion. So of course Omega Okada, um, they've set that up for Dominion. Um, Naito Jericho, they're going to do it here. I, you know, if I had, if it were up to me, I'd be doing that in Cal Palace. Um, what it tells me that they're doing those two matches at Dominion and neither one of them at the Cow Palace. Well, obviously you were going to do Okada Omega at Dominion. But the fact they're doing Naito Jericho at Dominion instead of Cow Palace shows me that no matter how much New Japan talks about how disappointed they are in the ticket sales in San Francisco, it's not a priority. If it was a priority to fill this that building... Race. This is the race in the hole. This was their... Exactly. If it was a priority to fill that building, and I'm sure they'd love to fill it. They wouldn't have run it if they didn't want to. But if it was a priority, they would have moved Jericho Naito to San Francisco. I am of the belief that Dominion would have sold out without that match. Omega Okada was enough. It's sold out already. The last tickets remaining are like weird standing room and student tickets or some other bullshit. They've already sold out Dominion for all intent and purpose. It's it's sold out. You also have Evil and Sonata versus the Young Bucks, which is fresh. 
You've got a never where they just put all three of the guys in the match with Goto, Elgin, and Taichi. That's whatever. And Ray, and they and they also announced Mysterio again. That's one of their Cow Palace. Now, <laughs> right, like half this show should be on the Cow Palace show, but it's just it's just not. If you're interested in filling it, but here's the thing: who's to say they can't do Naito Jericho three? Or I'm sorry, Naito Jericho two in the Cow Palace. Who's to say they can't set they they can't do an angle with Mysterio here? Because we don't know whether he's wrestling a match or just doing an angle to set him up for something for the Cow Palace. Right. We talked about that a little bit last week, that now that they've given America canon New Japan shows, that things have to be built towards those. Correct. So these guys being on the show doesn't necessarily preclude them from being on the Cow Palace. It might be their way of saying, okay, how do we get a match for Rey Mysterio on the Cow Palace? How do we get a match for Jericho on the Because they're not just going to announce guys. They're not just going to this week say, oh, Night versus Chris Jericho for the IC title. That's not going to happen. They have to get through whatever the story is through Dominion and then announce it. They have to, they can't say Rey Mysterio versus Juice and Thunder Liger. Now it, they have to wait, you know, until Dominion happens to sort of do that. That's kind of how they're for better, for worse. That's how they're doing. It, and that's how they're treating America now, which is, is good. Like, cause we're getting canon shows, but it's bad in the sense that you're sort of sitting there waiting, going, okay, where are the matches? What are the big matches? And it's like, well, no, you're going to have to wait. Like everybody else does. You can buy your ticket blind or you can wait and see what the bill does. And then buy your ticket from that point. Yeah. It's like, so it's either, I might look very dumb, in a couple weeks by making that take that they don't see it as a priority because if they do do what I just said, Naito Jericho 2, give Mysterio a big match. We Like we said, Mysterio Osprey was the plan as of March. And they, that might be what they do here. Uh, Osprey may defeat whoever wins Super Junior and then defend against Mysterio uh, in the Cow Palace, which was originally planned way back in March. Um, she put Jericho Mysterio on the Cow Palace card Here's the thing. People were so quick to jump to their hot takes with those Cow Palace ticket sales. Um, now that we've had a while to step back from it, Rich, they sold over 4,000 tickets without announcing a single name. Mm-hmm. Why are we looking at that as some kind of giant negative? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. We know why certain people are looking at that as a giant negative. But – is it a negative that they sold over 4,000 tickets? Right. And when the one guy put nothing? it in context of like how much money they made, like already they snapped their fingers and made, you know, like what was it? Like 500, $8,000? do a $500,000 gate. And they haven't announced a name yet. I mean, but we're, we were so eager to bury them. And we're all a little guilty of it. Um, but I think some people went, you know, they're going to end up having, they may end up with their, with their foot in their mouth. Yeah, us, us included. I mean, I was there. I, I was, you know, disappointed at first about it too. But it, yeah, it, we it, weren't. We weren't as strong as some of these other people. But I mean, it's 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 one of those things where maybe you know, now that we've had a little room to breathe on it, I think it's pretty fucking impressive that they sold like forty five hundred tickets without announcing anything. So, do I think they could fill it? I mean, we were unsure when we talked about it the first time. I think they can fill it with the right card. Um. If Naito Jericho have a hot match at Dominion and it, and their issue is unsettled, if Jericho wins the title and they do the rematch in San Francisco, you know, and, and then you know they're going to do something with Mysterio, and then of course, then you still have Omega and Okada in play. I think they do fill it. I think they can fill it. Um, you know, do you think Omega beats Okada and headlines the show? If they headline the show. With Kenny Omega defending the IWGP title against Cody, a, a match that already drew 6,000 fans in New Orleans that we know is a proven draw. Right. If they do Omega-Cody 
Naito Jericho 2, Rey Mysterio Willow Spray, and then do whatever the fuck you want with Okada. Hangman Page, for the sake of argument. I don't care. An Okada singles match. And then something with the Young Bucks. Does it really sound crazy that they can sell 5,000 more tickets? Oh, God, no. No, we know that, that Omega has that power. We know that he can. I mean, I, I, I've sensed, I, knew, I knew about it in Chicago. We're talking about a show here in a little bit that you announced Kenny Omega and sold you know, 2,000 tickets in a second. So, yeah, no, it, 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 that I, I honestly like not that I, I'm kind of at this point now where I kind of want this Okada reign to kind of keep lasting and lasting and lasting because I really enjoy it. But I think the, the better play might be Omega wins and, 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 and does headline that Cow Palace show because I think that is the better play for San Francisco without question. Yeah, because even even if even if he's defending against whoever, I mean, I think Cody is yes. obviously the best, but showing Omega on that poster, Kenny Omega defends the IWGP title versus X is going to be enough to sell some tickets. Well, they laid the framework for it. They just had Cody beat Ibushi. Right. So I'm really thinking there's a, there's a realistic chance Omega wins the title and defends against Cody on this show. Now, that would be the best play for San Francisco. But again, we're going to find out real quick how much the U.S. is a priority for them by the looks of that card. If it's just a mediocre card or a decent card, they don't really care all that much whether they fill that building. But if they give you the card that I just laid out, they care a lot. And that may have been the plan all along. So, so, so we'll see. Real interesting how this shakes out in terms of, uh, you know, look, Okada broke, broke the record now. He put Tanahashi in his rear view. It, it'd be okay to take it off him now, especially if the idea is to give Omega a little run here. And, you know, the thing is, if they don't get back to Okada and Naito at the Dome, a lot of people are going to be pissed off. Right. But maybe they don't do that this year and they do it the year after. Or maybe they don't do it at all. Rich, I'm still of the belief that Naito doesn't need that title to draw. So why put it on him? I know that that has people screaming right now and, and pissed off at me and claiming I hate the guy. But I'm just looking at it from a business perspective. If he doesn't need that title to draw, then why bother putting it on him? Because I think these other guys draw better with that. I, don't, I think people are going to come see Naito regardless. But if you want to complete that story, people are going to be mad if they don't do that this year. So, so we'll see. Real interesting times coming up now. Now that this, the record has been broken, they can really, it's wide open what they can do. And obviously, we'll have a, a ton more time to kind of preview this, but the, the Omega Okada, if, of course, if you didn't see the um, Omega comes out after uh, Okada beats Sanahashi, sort of challenges him. Uh, they say, you know, obviously we did 60 minutes. That wasn't enough. So let's have no time limits. So it's no time limit. Two out of three falls is going to be the match. And again, we'll have time to kind of break this down and, and, and go more because we have, you know, obviously have quite a while to this Dominion. But I mean, what that says right there is they're going more than 60 minutes because there's you can't say that and then go 45. You know, you can't say, fuck 60 minute right. time limit. We're out of here. And then they're, they, they go home at 35 minutes. Like that's not it's not it's definitely going to be more than 60 minutes. So strap in for that. And I'm kind of a, a, I, like to me, I don't want to see a super long match. But these two dudes are so creative. I think that they, they, the, the challenge would be good for them. It's just kind of say, fuck it, let's go 90. You know, and it's ridiculous to think about. I'm sure it's going to be a daunting task. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to go 70. I don't know if they're going to go 65. I don't know if they'll go right over the time limit or whatnot. But it's in these two dudes' nature to, 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 to challenge themselves and to go to a different level that we might not have ever seen. So I, I, I welcome the challenge. I think it's kind of interesting in that sense. Not that I'm really looking forward to sitting down for, you know, 90 minutes and watching these guys, but I don't know. Of any two guys that I'm going to watch for 90 minutes, these two dudes, I feel like, could, could could make it interesting i'll cross that bridge when we get to it i i have full confidence they're gonna have a great match but um we'll, we'll you know we'll have, yeah. uh, it, i don't uh, love the two out of three falls though i don't like that at all that that i've never been I, you know me i'm not a fan of the two out of three falls 
I yeah. think no matter what, you're waiting for the two falls to go so you can wait for that final fall. It just feels right. like a waste. It feels you know, fans are smart enough now. I don't think any of us mm-hmm. buy that Okada's gonna sweep them or Omega's gonna sweep them. We know Okada's get to get the first, or Omega's gonna get the first, Okada gets the second, and it's all about the third fall. And that's that's I've been trained in that. That's my lineage of wrestling is to always be trained that way. And and I don't know. It's just like, and I, I'm sure the fans are going to be that way too, where it's just like, all right, get those two out of the way and let's go for the third fall. Let, let's let's focus on that. So it could be a, a lucha thing where they get get them out in 10 minutes and then we all worry about the third. But at that point, why why even do two out of three falls? You know? I hear why, you. Why, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I've never been thrilled with that stip either. It's all in the execution though. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. You're waiting around for the third fall. But the one thing I'll say, they don't do them a lot in this company and they don't do them a lot in Japan. Right. So it, it, it's kind of new. It'll be new to the live crowd. So we don't know how they American crowds. Yes. A lot of times are going to sit on their hands until the third fall comes around. We know that. And us watching at home, we're going to be waiting around for the third fall, but I'm interested to see how the live crowd responds because they may be into it um, because it's just, it's foreign to them. Um, real quickly, but before we kind of move on to other topics, did you, did you read this week's observer at all? Not a single word. Okay. Did I, he, Dave had a lot of paragraphs about Jericho talking to Vince McMahon about doing this Naito thing. Jericho kind of laying out to WWE what he was going to do and why he couldn't do this thing and why he couldn't do that. And, and Dave spent a lot of time talking about how, why, you know, Jericho might want to work Dominion, but not work Cow Palace, not work San Francisco, right. not sort of rattle the cage and not really piss off Vince McMahon. He always kind of wants to be able to, to always fall back on that WWE thing, always just sort of yeah. prance in whenever he wants. We know, you know, <laughs> we're not beating around the bush here. Jericho is a, a source for Dave and has been for 20 years now, right? We, we know that, right? Everybody knows that, that that's fine. Sure. I, I don't know if he still is. I have no idea. I'd imagine he kind of is. What do you make of that? Is that Jericho working that, or is there a real possibility? Would you be stunned if Jericho just isn't on that Cow Palace show? No, I wouldn't be stunned if he's not on the Cow Palace show at all. I think that Chris Jericho, though, is smart enough to know that Vince McMahon will always take him back. I agree. I, and I think Jericho is smart enough to know that. Um, Vince McMahon, one thing he isn't is like super vengeful. He will make up with you. He might be mad at Chris Jericho for six months or a year or two years, but he's not going to be mad at Chris Jericho forever. If Chris, if, if New Japan makes it advantageous enough financially for Chris Jericho to do that show, he's doing the show. He's a prize fighter. He's a prize fighter. He goes where the highest yeah. bidder. You know, <laughs> he's doing he's doing the show. I you know, um, you know, if he made some deal with Vince out of respect to not work the United States, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Um, so I, I I'm not saying it's bullshit, but. Um, I do think he's smart enough to know that if he welched on that agreement, Vince would not hold it against them till the end of time. So I don't know. Nothing would really surprise me when it comes to Jericho. Nothing. Yeah, you never know. That, that's the cool thing about Jericho. I love what Jericho's doing right now, man. He is a it's man awesome. of himself. So he can do, he yeah. calls his shots. He does whatever. I'm coming here, make room. You know, like it's cool. Yeah. It's it's awesome. And he's earned it and he's doing awesome at it. I mean, he, you could tell he loves the New Japan stuff, but when he wants a payday, there is the greatest Royal Rumble holding his fucking notepad. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. or holding the, you know, holding the it's perfect. You know, got the pen out. He understands, you know, he gets it. He's not doing New Japan stuff in, in Greatest Royal Rumble. He's got his little pen out there. He's got a scarf on. He knows what he's doing. He's a power player. Yeah. And we need more of those. He's a power player. Cody is a power player. The Bucks, the elite, they're power players. We need more of those, which is why I want Daniel Bryan to leave the company. Yep. Because then we'll have another one. Mm -hmm. And that will be the best thing possible for wrestling 
if Daniel Bryan leaves the company because I have another one of these guys. Right. A CM Punk we always kind of thought would maybe be that guy. And, he and, could and be. who knows? He, but it could be. Yeah. If he gives if he gets his ass kicked by this scrub that he's facing, um, you know, maybe you know, he he decides, yeah, because he easily could be as well. Maybe he sees the lay of the lay of the land is very different now than when he walked out of WWE the first time. He right. Can, he sees guys making their own paths and so maybe, you know, he gets the bug and maybe he likes this anti-WWE thing that's going on with some of these guys. And so who knows? You know, I, I'm sure if he if he gets thrashed again, the UFC's probably not going to want him anymore. No, yeah, you can't. Because it's t- total diminishing returns on what he... he well, and it just makes your, your, your entire promotion look like a joke. Because it's like this guy that, you know, works out at a fucking gym and, you know what I mean? Like, and, and he's not a fighter. I mean, it, it's just like he's done his... He, he's, Given it his hardest try, he's done this, but it's it's like you took a guy off the street and tried to make him UFC fighter. It's just not, you know, no. And, they, <laughs> and they've discarded guys of that ilk before yeah. quickly, like Kimbo Slice. Kimbo Slice drew, you know, on tough their their highest rating, uh, you know, ever to that point, and they gave him a couple fights, but it's quickly diminishing returns at that point, and they cut him loose. So we've seen this movie play out before um, with guys of Punk's ilk that are sort of these. Um, you know, these, these freak show draws and UFC gives up on them rather quickly once the well has been run dry on that. So um, if he loses badly, I mean, he would have to, you know, a win maybe would keep him around, but if it was an unimpressive win, I mean, maybe they give him one more fight against someone who they know is going to destroy him so they could just be, be rid of him. Um, Because I, I think even an unimpressive win, he comes off poorly after how he got thrashed the first time. Yeah. He's got to win and win impressively to stick around. He's got to knock the dude out. I don't know anything about the guy, but he's not winning, right? He's going to get killed, right? He's he's zero and one. Um, he's he, th- this is what it is, Rich. For in layman's terms, the golf fight, the Mickey golf fight, was a total setup to get Gall over. Because yeah, they, they threw him to the wolf. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> so they they liked Gall and they wanted Gall to win a high profile fight so they can push Gall. It was total pro wrestling. This fight is is they're giving Punk a legitimate like chance to land a punch. Maybe not necessarily to win. Punch. <laughs> this is a guy he can not look totally lost against if he comes in prepared because the guy isn't any good. I'm not saying he's going to be the. Fi- I don't. I haven't seen a betting line, but this is an opponent where he's he's got himself a puncher's chance. He had no chance against the other guy. And they knew it. It was just it was a pro wrestling setup to push the other dude. Because oh, Gall's going to get yeah. Gall's I'm looking get more at attention for beating Punk than beating someone that nobody ever heard of. Yeah, I'm looking at this guy, and yeah, this <laughs> looking at his profile, uh, and it says biography. When and why did you start training for fighting? I began training in 2008 simply because I thought it would be fun. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the guy that Gall beat in his very first UFC fight. Uh, he did. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Mickey Gall. Yeah, Lost. because they liked golf from the start. So they lined him up with all these jabrones. They gave him the warm up fight against Michael Jackson. And then they gave him the punk fight because it would be high profile. And if you remember, Gall cut that really good promo after the punk fight. Yeah, right, right. It was all the push Gall. So and now he's facing the guy who who Gall destroyed in his first fight. And, you know, they, they, it's, if punk doesn't look good in this fight, he's done. Oh, he's a 2011 Houston Golden Gloves champion. Oh, that could that could be an issue. <laughs> that could be a problem for old punker. But uh, I still well, enjoy the... that he's facing a boxer because at least he could stand up with him for a little while. If he faces a wrestler, he's going to take him down and tap him in 30 seconds. Yeah. 
Punk will have options in pro wrestling soon enough. We'll yes, see. I, I, I don't. I'm not too confident in the old Punker's uh, ability here. But yeah, we'll see. The, the guy who just trained because he thought it would be fun. That, that's a good one. Not like I, you know, I was a Division One wrestling champion or whatever. Punk's not standing with those guys. But yeah, maybe a guy that thought it was fun is 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 a guy that he could maybe have a chance with. So yeah. All right. So uh, let's get to the final topic. We got about 20 minutes or so. Uh, talk about this. It is my crazy wrestling weekend, which is actually kind of fun because it'll talk. We'll, we'll get into some interesting topics as well. Joe, the uh, Creature Lens will be out and about uh, starting Friday with Warrior Wrestling. And I did an interview uh, on our, our podcast feed with the promoter of Warrior Wrestling. Have you have you listened to that? Since I don't listen to your stuff, I know you listen to all of my stuff, though. So you listen to this interview. I you know everything. Your, I listened to your interview on the world. Uh, uh, what's it called? Warrior Wrestling. I listened to that like four times. I can recite you word for word. I didn't listen to a single second oh, of it yet. Yeah, but I sure. promise you, I was planning on it, and I will listen to it. I'm a busy man, Rich. I'm a married man now. Did you know that? I I told you. Time time's time, a, time is tough. I, when you know? your time gets sucked up, you're starting. Uh, to, you're cleaning garages. You're you know you're 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 a disaster. I got you know, two toddlers in the house, my friend. Yeah, that, um, that's really yeah, that was a bit. But uh, essentially, where wrestling is, I won't lie. I DM the guy initially because I thought it was kind of a joke. The show was happening. I thought it was a Canuck Pro thing, and and I'm not saying that. I don't know. I mean, I've talked to the guy a lot. We've done the interviews. He's done his rounds or whatnot. It seems like it's it, it's legit. Essentially, the story is this guy is the principal at Marion Catholic High School, which is a you know a, a high school around here. He is doing this as a fundraiser for the school. It's at the school. This Warrior Wrestling thing. It is the debut show. He's a longtime fan. He he knows old school. You know IWA Mid South. He was going to to watch Punk and Hero and those sort of guys. So it's not like a guy that just kind of parachuted in nowhere. Knows WWE only. Just decided out of nowhere to book this Money Mark show is going to bounce immediately. I don't know. It all seems to have the makings of like a legit thing. We'll see. I'm interested to be there Friday because the names on this show are ridiculous. Because Joe, this show is fucking loaded. I, I'm not going to miss this show for the world. I can't tell if it's a great show or a terrible show. But there's a lot of names. <laughs> but I need to be there. I need to be there. So I'm going to be there for wrestling on Friday. So if you're if you're there, let me know and I'll give you some nice firm handshakes. Here is the show. I just kind of give you an idea. Obviously, it's not can. I mean, it's the debut show of this company. Uh, for the most part, but uh, Space Monkey and Shane Saber versus Mark Wheeler and Kobe Durst, uh, Deanna Perazu versus Chelsea Green, NWA Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, third from the, third from the bottom, Joe, NWA Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis versus Sam Adonis. Is Lagana going to be there? Lagana is going to be there, so I will uh, give him a firm handshake as well. I've heard that Lagana will be you there. Lagana? Uh, so you, Robbie, are, you are oh, meeting sorry. up with Lagana. I, yes, yeah, we've we've slid in the DMs. I'm, I, I will I will give a firm handshake to Mr. Lagana. All right, very nice. And I'll be on that. I'll be on that uh, little NWA documentary. I'm sure they'll do a, a one just on me too. Uh, Robbie E versus OVE, the Ohio versus everything versus Pat Monix, Matt Nix, and Stevie Fierce. Those are obviously freelance guys uh, versus yeah. Robbie E, the uh, podcast superstar Robbie E, and uh, of course Ohio versus <laughs> everything. So uh, Tessa Blanchard I, again, NWA heavyweight champion Nick Aldis versus Sam Adonis, who's like third from the top. And I had to like explain to a, a friend of mine that like Sam Adonis is like a big deal in, in Lucha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like he's just here on the show. He just appears. And I'm like, no, that's a big deal. Like it's a huge deal. And and from talking to the guy, like he's the, the area that they're working is a very it's very the very Mexican heavy population or whatnot. And he said a lot of his tickets have come from people. That, that don't speak English or whatnot, that he's got to have, he's been do, going through translators and stuff like that. So a lot of people that were buying tickets are presumably Lucha fans that, that maybe know Sam Adonis to the level that, that maybe some of us don't, you know, you know, so, so maybe, cool it was a, maybe it was a stroke of genius to book Sam Adonis. Exactly. I mean, obviously yeah, I don't know. these big Lucha names you're going to get to, but yeah. 
But it was, I don't think it was a complete accident. He just didn't stumble upon Sam Adonis. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a stroke of genius to get him mm-hmm. on there. Uh, Tessa Blanchard versus Santana Garrett. I uh, don't know who's going to win that match. I don't think anybody really wants to lose, so it'll be fun to see. Uh, Brian Cage versus a mystery opponent. Moose is out. I think he's got uh, t- impact obligations. So it's Brian Cage versus a random opponent. By the way, Brian Cage, fifth from the top. <laughs> Yeah, this show's ridiculous. This is the match I know you would go for if you if you could get away from the toddlers and the wife. I know you'd come here for this. James Ellsworth versus Hornswoggle with Frank the Clown as a special guest referee. Unbelievable that Frank the Clown is getting booked. I it's just it's unbelievable, you know. But uh, he's really spraying all fields. He's got the lucha guys. He's got something for the kids and the families. Look, I don't know if he's gonna lose his fucking ass on this and this. <laughs> And, and and he's got to sell textbooks from his school or something, but um, he's trying. I I hope I hope, man. But yeah, I I, I tend to think that. Uh, What's good is half these guys might not show up, and he wants to. <laughs> we'll get to that here in a sec. Nah. El Hilo de Dos Caras uh, versus El Hilo de Fantasma. So you got a uh, little uh, lucha there. Uh, sticking with the lucha ish, you got Ray Phoenix uh, versus Penta uh, Pentagon Jr. I'm not going to do the Penta L0 or whatever. Uh, versus Matt Seidel versus DJZ. Phoenix, Pentagon, Seidel, DJZ. Look, if those guys have their working shoes on, you, know, you, got, you got yourself a notebook match there. Absolutely. And then the main event, <laughs> presumably, now, as we're recording this on Thursday, uh, Alberto El Patron with Ricardo Rodriguez. They're they're advertising it very much as Ricardo Rodriguez yeah. will be there with Del Rio uh, versus Jack Swagger is your main event. I hope you get a hot lucha crowd for this show because you I need to so experience too. that. Yeah. The hot lucha crowds, there's nothing like it. I got really excited when he said like the majority of the tickets sold at that point had been like you know Spanish speaking people. I was like, oh right. shit, nice, nice. Like because that's that's what I want. I I I can be in AEW crowds all the time. I don't want an AEW crowd. I want a completely different experience with this. And and I'm getting it. I mean that is a that's a card. <laughs> it's it's unique. I don't know. I I it, it's gonna happen. I think. I don't know. I like it's 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 strange. But anyway, I got an interview with the uh, the promoter on the web, uh, on the website. Really good interview as well. He, he's he's very open to everything. And that's the thing. Every time I've asked him a question, he's been open to it. He's giving me a good answer. So it's like, oh man, like I thought this was gonna be a Canuck Pro thing, but I guess it's not. I don't know if he's gonna lose his ass. I, eh, he might, but. Hey, I'm going to see a fun show, so that's fine. I got a group of friends coming to. You show the show to anybody, and everyone's like, well, I kind of have to be there for this. It's one of those weird, you don't know yeah. if it's going to be good. You don't know if it's going to be a train wreck, but you just kind of want to see it one way or another. So, I'd go for sure. I would go for sure. Uh, speaking of definite train wrecks, when I'm moving on to Saturday, um, this is still tentative because I might have some other something came up last minute, so I don't. Oh, I, no, I, no, 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 no. You got to go to this. I, I'm Joe. I'm 95% want to go to the show there's a five percent that might take me away from it but 95 percent, i am going so i've i've moved around plans i've lied to people <laughs> i've done stuff i'm go- i'm doing everything i can to avoid my mom on mother's day <laughs> to go see this so don't worry but uh game changer wrestling coming to chicago joe they are working uh this it's it's a, it used to be a mall it's now been abandoned it's been taken over by a I think semi-annual, maybe once a week. I forget what it was, swap meet. So a swap meet comes into this thing once every week. I think maybe on Sundays or whatnot, maybe on Saturdays too. Otherwise, it's an abandoned mall. It pretty much looks like an abandoned. They haven't changed anything. Like there's cell phone store. It looks like one day everybody got up from the mall and left, but the swap meet comes in and, and puts tables in the middle of it. It is the most unique, weird venue you've ever been to. And there's no better place to watch Game Changer Wrestling than an abandoned mall in a suburb of Chicago, right? There's like, not, and I'll tell you. <laughs> All kidding aside, and I know like it's all kidding aside, I always talk about 
when legends come within driving distance, you can't pass up the opportunity because you don't know if you're ever going to see them again. When Jimmy Lloyd and Kyle the Beast come to your town. <laughs> Cyclope. <laughs> when Jimmy Lloyd and Kyle the Beast come around, y- you can't pass up that opportunity. What, what if you never get a chance to see Kyle the Beast again? Right. What if you never get a chance to see yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Lloyd? Yeah, Jimmy Lloyd, you know, slips the disc in his back and never wrestles again. I, I'll always remember that I, I was 20 minutes away. I was 20, I, I, easy drive. Listen, drive. I, see, Clope could take that mask off and reveal himself as Dean Malenko. You never know that's what's true. I didn't happen. think of that. You're right. Hold on that, a minute. That's right. But in all seriousness, have you ever seen Nick Gage live? I've never. No, I've never have seen him live. Well, I'll tell you, it's a whole different vibe live. You heard me talk about it over WrestleMania weekend. And and look, I'm not the biggest fan, but it's undeniable that the guy has a huge indie star right now. And he has a tremendous people connect with this gimmick. And um, I hope you get a classic Nick Gage, pro Nick Gage crowd, because again, that would be a great thing for you to experience so you can see what everybody else is talking about. Because there really is a different vibe with that guy when he hits the ring. It's just a different vibe because he's super over right now. Um, I don't even know what to compare it to on the indie level. I guess maybe when Necro Butcher was at his peak and it just felt different. Or maybe, um, I don't even know. Maybe, you know, oddly, I'll give you a good one, Rich. Homicide in Ring of Honor at the peak of his popularity. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what Nick Gage is like when he comes out. It's just different. Like people popped for Brian Danielson and people loved Samoa Joe, but you know what I'm talking about. The homicide pop was just different. Not louder, didn't shake your seat, but it was just different. No, I mean, all you have to look at is the cage death. His music hits and the crowd just fucking comes unglued and in a different way too than they had the entire match. Yeah, so I think that's probably the best comparison I can come up with. So uh, you get some Joey Janela, you get some Spider Nate Webb. <laughs> it's man, there's. Yeah. I don't like deathmatch stuff at all. I don't like hardcore, but I, I'm gonna stomach it for one night. I think because this is this is unique. Because, and then, these guys ever fly, man. You know, Eli yeah. Everfly. That could go very well or very horrible. A lot of this can go very well. Or very yeah, there is. It's gonna be a fun one. Unfortunately, my my uh, my date for the night ditched uh, Maxwell from the. Uh, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he ditched uh, Maxwell. I, I was gonna say from oh, Twitter. What, I guess, oh, the what, a, what a punk from the RBR web. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's a serious reason. Podcast. Why, so. It's it's a good reason why he's missing. Cause... Plug his podcast. Yeah, he's yeah he's got the. Uh, uh, I think he, he did he say on Twitter he's got a uh, death in the family or something. Yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if he officially. I didn't want to say that, but he yeah, said it on Twitter. He said it on Twitter. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's what happened. So of course that's yeah. you know because um, he's yeah. trying to give up another ticket. I think uh, War of the Worlds or something. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna we're gonna go to War of the Worlds too. So. Um, but yeah, he's also the uh, it's at RBR Wrestling 